Okay, you know I fashion myself to be somewhat of an idea man. I've heard this, yeah. And we are in the Halloween season. Mm-hmm, yeah, it's that time. We're getting all spooky and stuff. We're getting excited about the impending holiday. But hey, I'll tell you what. When you're a grown-up, what can you do? It's not like you can go out and trick-or-treat and wear a cool costume or nothing like that. Mm, What's there for us to do anymore other than just have a party and watch a scary movie? What if we want to have some activities of our own? Okay. I'm just proposing an idea. And I'm thinking that in order to signify that you're a part of this idea, because you need to definitely have that, that layer of consent going on here. Right. I'm just proposing we all put a pink pumpkin out on our porches to show that you're participating. Okay. In my adults-only concept of dick or teat. (laughs) Okay, and so the concept is you knock on the door. If there's a pink pumpkin... Loud and clear. You you knock on the door and you say dick or teat. Uh Now, they then offer you either... A glance at their their dick, yes, or a glance at uh, a teat. This is how I know this is a great idea. I didn't even have to explain. Yeah, no, it's explained all by itself, right there on Front Street. Very self-explanatory. I mean, yeah, if 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 you want to participate in that, that yeah, okay, teat. I I mean, really, the gamble is the person knocking on the door. Oh yeah, because if you want to participate in it, it's a joy to you, whoever knocks on the door, Mm -hmm. to just whip that out. Show it off. Sure. Why not? There Shake one out. You ever seen one like that, you say? Yeah. And if they say yes, you say, well, let me get it hard. Let me, it hang looks on, different on. when it's hard. It's, it's cold like, out here. It's a cold yeah. Halloween this time. <laughs> Last year was very warm. It looks very impressive. <laughs> Dicker T. Yeah, you heard it here first on the newest I'd episode yeah. of Dead and Lovely, the greatest horror movie and concept review podcast. Right, the dickinest, teetinest podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're known as <laughs> around these parts here. Here with those of the most, it's me, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, your co-host with the co-most, Woo! like Beetlejuice. See what you did there. That's Hollywood pretty funny. Hollywood Beetlejuice. That's pretty good, man. Right. It's pretty good. You no one's some, ever done that. Some new material here. I right. Like this. It's good. <laughs> You can get straight on to the Beetlejuice review by following the timestamp in the podcast description, but you don't want to do that. We're going to no. be talking about all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, stuff we done watched. We're going to be drinking a co-beer. Yeah. What would you... You want to miss that? I don't think you do. I don't want to hear two men uh, have a cold beer and enjoy each other's company. Can't do you it. You know what that sounds like to me? Hmm. Sounds like the type of person I don't want to hang out with I any think damn so. way. Hell you move no. on. Shoo! Go on, get Get on out of here. Nobody loves you. Well, somebody probably. Your mama somebody probably, probably does. Probably does. Somebody out there probably does. But maybe they shouldn't. <laughs> maybe they you know? shouldn't. That's maybe. your problem. Is that somebody does love you and they encourage you to be that way. <laughs> but they shouldn't love you for your terrible, terrible disposition. Exactly. Yeah. You can't never change if nobody hates you. <laughs> you know what they say. That's how it goes. So hate does do some good, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think. Oh, man, dude. I'll tell you what, I'm definitely going to need me a Kobe or stat. I've, me too. I've had myself kind of a hell of a week, and mm-hmm. I want to go ahead and say first and foremost, thanks very much to all the dead and lovelies and all my my fans and stuff on my YouTube channel that have been checking in on me, because my, uh, my dad passed away yeah. the other day. He, uh, We found out that he had really bad cancer and stuff, yeah. and thought we had a bit more time, and mm-hmm. we didn't. It moved extremely, extremely, extremely fast. Yeah, that happens. That's Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, you know, my, my dad and I were quite estranged for uh-huh. the better part of the past, like, 20 years or so. Yeah. Kind of had a bit of a falling out and went our separate ways. 
Um, so I can't say that I was like super, super ultra tight with him or anything like that, but right. it's it's still just an odd loss and a big loss no matter yeah. what the situation is. For sure. You know, well, I'm sure for some people it's not, but for, for my situation, it's just been an odd thing to go through. It's one of those things that I've just been spending a lot of the week trying to figure out how, how I should be navigating this. You right. Know? Uh, but I massively appreciate everybody who's reached out to me. It really does mean a lot. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just been kind of an odd week due to that. I bet. I mean, I can imagine because, like, I don't have any sort of relationship with my dad. never really have um, throughout most of my life. I, I, I don't know how I'll ever get the news that yeah. he's died. I have no idea where he is or whatever. But I know that we think similarly. Mm-hmm. So I can... I sometimes put myself in his head and try to imagine like so you just had like kids and just moved on. Yeah. Just like what that what's that like? What's that like, huh? Yeah. And it definitely makes you feel odd. So I imagine when he dies it will be one of those like, Man, wonder what that was like in those last few days, just nobody there next to you because you've driven everybody made away it that in your way. life. Yeah. And it's like that would have to suck. Probably. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. So Sorry, man. That sucks a whole lot. Yeah, it is what it is, man. But, you know, it's just one of those things that, like I said, I'm just kind of working through at my own pace. I don't think that there is any right or wrong way to go through no. mourning and just grieving a, a, a complicated relationship, yeah. a real good relationship. There's no really, you know, textbook way to do things. So yeah. just kind of figuring it out, man. But, you know, I'll, I, I will maintain uh, probably without dad around, I wouldn't have had those Van Halen one records and, um, yeah. ZZ top eliminator records that my brother and I used to play all the time. And maybe my life would have gone down a much different path without just those two fucking albums laying around the house. Yeah. It's always a little more complicated than it seems. I think so. Yeah. I like to, to pour one out for yeah. the old man. Let's get ourselves a co-beer here and Ooh. celebrate. Never had a co-beer right with dad. Up. Never had a co-beer with dad. Now that I think I about it. I also have oh never my had a co-beer my with face. my dad. Do you ever have one with my dad? I did. Actually, a lot. <laughs> we talked pretty pretty frequently. <laughs> I'm excited about this one here. This seems like this is going to be pretty good. It's yeah. another one from the the Don Beer Conservatory mm-hmm. of all the beers that Don has donated to the show. Oh my this gosh, is the it Don collection. So good. I it can does. smell it from so far away. What are we having? It is a Ballad Brewing Key Lime New England IPA. I have never had anything like this. No, I have not either. And I, I, cause like, you know, an IPA naturally has, well, can have those like, uh, citrusy notes, citrusy elements, but they have added pureed key lime into this Ooh. and i wonder how that's gonna play together i hope it gets real good to me i've had some like key lime pie like sours and stuff yeah. that were mm-hmm. really amazing and i think yeah. even a stout or two but i've never had this in conjunction with an ipa it smells awesome though Ooh, buddy is it good yeah yeah it is it's real refreshing and it Ooh. does taste like key lime pie it does but yeah. not like not overly sugary and dessert. No, no, just got that like nice creamy key lime bit to it. And a bit of sourness too, actually. A little bit of sour in there, yep. Like that's actually more sour than some IPAs I've seen marketed as sour IPAs. Ooh, like, I like that, that actually a has lot. a little bit of tartness to it. It has like that natural lime peel tartness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not like the um, you know, like kind of tartness that you get out of sours. It's not that bacterial right. kind of tartness. Right. Just natural fruity goodness. That's good. Mm-hmm. That like is that oddly refreshing. Thanks, what is the the AB, ABB 7. on that? 7.1%. Huh. 
Yeah. I would have thought real, it was more like five. Yeah, I was going to say, it tastes real light. That's pretty fucking good. good stuff, man. Well, I'll tell you what. I've ha- I have had time to watch myself a thing or two this week amongst okay. all the madness. I also had, I had a really fun show this week. Yeah. I was uh, got to rock out. playing a, a, a yacht rock gig. I got uh-huh. to yacht rock out with my friends in Smooth Sailor. <laughs> and uh, their guitar player, whenever he asked me to do the show like two weeks ago, you know, he was like, okay, so is Ben Eller sitting in with us or is Davey Stranger from Skankbanger sitting uh, in with us? And I'm like, oh, it's going to be Davey. Yeah. It's going to be Davey. Awesome. So, uh, you know, Yacht Rock, it's just like all Hall & Oates and Christopher yeah. Cross and, and that kind of thing. Davey Stranger from 80s hair metal sensation Skankbanger. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Kate found him this really sexy sleeveless sailor costume. <laughs> to wear it looks so fucking awesome stupid (laughs) it was like sexy donald duck it was like donald fuck i guess yeah and uh the rest of the band wears like white pants and hawaiian shirts and stuff but not not davy stranger meanwhile davy stranger was just over there doing his own thing it was a lot of fun and especially (laughs) after the week i had it was really nice to play just like a fun stupid show and have a good time with it uh earlier in the week we finished up watching american horror story 1984 finished finished it. it yeah that last episode's too long God, it is. Yeah. It just is way too fucking long. Man, I'll tell you, man. Hey, get the hell out of here. But hey, before you leave, here's some more stuff. Stay here for a while before you leave. (laughs) What? Nah, man. Like, the first couple episodes, and it's like this, honestly, with every American Horror Story. The first, like, four or five episodes, I'm like, cool premise, cool characters. This Uh is awesome. I'm good. Yeah. And then around, like, four or five, it's like the entire writing crew's, like, ADD kicks in. And they're like, I'm bored with this. Let's move on. Let's do something else with this entirely. And it's just like... Me watching it, I'm not bored with this yet. Yeah. Like, this started off with all these psycho killers at a summer camp and stuff. Awesome. Keep it going. Then they're right. like, nah, let's go somewhere else entirely. Yeah, it's just like, God damn. Different. It was fine. There was more than <laughs> enough material to work with here. Yeah. So I do hate that, the, you know, 180 kind of change of direction that it did. Right. But is okay, I guess. I liked it. I yeah. Liked it. I remember yeah. you talking about liking that one. Watch House of the Devil the other day while we were unpacking some Halloween decorations and stuff like that. Awesome. Always a good thing. That yes. Jocelyn Donahue, man. She rules. She is. She fucking rules. She Love is, that movie. She is. She is uh, we just talked about her recently. Oh, yeah. in, Dr. Uh, Sleep. Dr. Sleep, yeah. Yeah. She's great in that. She should be getting some more work in some horror movies and stuff. Really She's should. awesome. Yeah. Hopefully, Mike Flanagan will put her into more stuff because she's got the things he likes. Yeah, she's a pretty brunette lady. And prettyism. <laughs> yeah. And womanism. <laughs> right. She possesses all three of those things. The Mike Flanagan Holy Trinity. Right. I, I've got two out of three. For real? Yeah. You I'm pretty. Throw you I'm in brunette. There. Yeah. I ain't no woman, no. Aw. That's a shame. I know. So close. So close. <laughs> Watched Carrie, the original there the other day, yeah. too. Yeah. No, throw the laugh at you. No, the laugh at you. Still a really great movie. Yeah. I still also, every time I watch it, forget about all the just like random Brian De Palma cocaine decisions. Right. Like that ridiculous scene where the dudes are like tuxedo shopping. Right. And some of it's in like fast forward and yeah, shit. Yeah, it's very weird. And then the whole like random ass like split screen for yeah, the entire. I like that. I love, I love that. It's, it's cool. It's so weird. But I forget that it's there because it's just like, why the fuck would you choose to do that other than cocaine? That is a good question. Because <laughs> cocaine. Because cocaine is the answer. That's yeah. the answer, really. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. I kind of want want to watch the remake now. The one with um, uh, Chloe Moretz? Yeah. I, I have not. It wasn't very good. Or have I? I th- See, that's the thing. Is like in my head, I'm like, I think I watched it. When we it. did Carrie, I watched Carrie 2, and I watched the made-for-TV Carrie. I don't think I watched the the remake. And yeah. I, I'd like to give it a chance. I like Chloe Moretz, but. Me too. 
you know, wholly I, unnecessary. It's just remake. unnecessary. Yeah, just yeah. like the uh, uh, let the right one in remake. Completely with unnecessary. Yeah. Totally unnecessary. She's just kind of becoming the queen of the unnecessary horror movies. But she's dedicated to horror, and I love that. I know, and she's yeah. awesome. Obviously, yeah. get her in a good movie. That's For not a real, damn remake. Please. Get on it, people. <laughs> Uh, also watched Count Me In, that new drumming documentary mm. that's on the Netflix. Okay. Really fucking good, man. All right. Really, really good. I was also really reminded while I was watching it, how many drummers are just lunatic pieces of shit? Oh, that, that's exactly what was I was thinking in my head. Maniacs. Like, I, I don't know where he's going to go, but I'm going to take this the lunatic direction yeah. eventually. Yeah. Yeah, they're crazy people. Like, it's the a thing type. is, though, that, like, just listening to people play drums, like, my mind will hear the rhythm, but be absolutely in awe as to how it's happening oh i love and drummers just, yeah. i cannot conceive in my head of being like oh i'll do this 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 and this and it'll sound like this and it'll be awesome like it's it's a whole different way of thinking it is man it and is. usually drummers yeah as you said insane like they just like every drummer i've ever known has had too much energy oh yeah yeah entirely man <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, I I have like the biggest like musician boner for drummers overall. Mm-hmm. A lot of guitar players they love like sax yeah. players and stuff like no, that. Drummers, but me, like, where it's at. yeah, drummers are really the most fascinating thing to me. But it's like you know, fucking Keith Moon, right? Absolute raging lunatic. Yeah, dressed yeah. like Hitler a bunch. Yeah, that's not a good. Buddy Rich, legendary jazz uh-huh. monster, horrible, horrible human being. Right, just awful, awful dude. So Danny Carey from Tool. Yeah, he's like super into numerology and sets up his drums like in weird numerological numerological formations yeah totally it's like not necessarily convenient for playing i wouldn't think so but somehow he still gets out what he gets out which is like what the fuck yeah it's working (laughs) he's also like fucking seven feet tall yeah huge dude he is a huge guy yeah from like all accounts a pretty nice guy too yeah oh that's nice to hear that's good to know it is good to know there's some good ones out there yeah um, we also watched the first episode of Ah Real Monsters. Oh, fuck yeah. Which we hadn't seen since we were like kids, so very excited to watch Still that Still great, right? I've forgotten so much stuff about that show. It's it's a weird little show. It's really, oh, that's really That's the weird. thing about those Nickelodeon shows that like we were drawn to them because they were different, because like all the other cartoons were just the same episode, but with this animation, and the Nick cartoons had that like un- uniquality to them they did that like it hit with us that it was unique but i don't think we got what was going on as totally. kids but yeah when i've seen stuff now like looking back even episodes of doug doug seems like the most subdued show but it's like it's some weird stuff in there yeah totally <laughs> yeah. man yeah Aria monster is still really fun to watch uh it did kind of strike me this time too and again this kind of goes back to the the appeal of that because not only was it just like super gross and stuff all the time, right. which is kids we thought was so cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I was looking at the monsters and stuff because there's like 80 million different characters on that yeah, show. There actually. Are. I mean, the main four, right? Yeah. But then all the other little side yeah. characters, little classmates and stuff in there. Yeah. And most of the designs, I was like, man, it looks like they spent like 30 seconds designing these like crappy monsters. And then right. I was like, actually, they look exactly like the kind of like monsters that we would draw in our you know notebooks and stuff yeah, we were like six years very old kid like very very kid like yeah so to a kid watching that it makes total sense yep you know so i don't know just a cool bit of just like that's probably part of what drew us into it you know i'm telling you you really need to watch over the garden wall yeah i do yeah i'm telling you you and kate are gonna love it there's another thing you're gonna love gonna that i watched about. this week hmm, hmm, hmm. called notebooks 
Oh, the notebook. Yeah, the notebook. It's okay. So it's about this guy, and he is uh, gaslighting this woman who's <laughs> suffering from dementia into Ooh. believing that they've had a romantic relationship. That sounds so romantic. It's super hot. You're gonna love it. <laughs> love that. No notebooks. Now it, it's a kids movie. It's on Netflix. Um, it is very kids movie. Okay. So the dialogue and the story at times are painful. But I think the aesthetic and some of the images throughout and some of just the, the like cool sequences make up for it. Okay. Uh, Kristen Ritter plays a glittery witch. Count me in. And it's just got some really cool moments. I, I don't want to say too much. All right. It's not a complicated movie. And I'll again say writing's not great. It gets better about uh, a, you know halfway through gets a little bit better but like the opening's a little rough but i'm telling you the aesthetic is going to be worth it it's very spooky season i think it's going to become one of those that like kids in 10 years will be like do you remember that fucked up movie notebooks (laughs) okay yeah well damn man i'll have to check it out i'm definitely kind of on the market right now for something kind of light and mindless yes that's exactly what it is light and mindless and Kristen ritter is just awesome in it because she's awesome all the time totally man yeah so this weekend was heavy on Discord, Ben, because we had the old normal screaming chat like Friday night, Yep, and we watched a movie called The Brain. The Brain. And you should see the movie The Brain. It's an 80s movie with a gigantic brain that kills people, and you're going to love it. I mean, this sounds fucking great. Yeah. Is this it has- like what eventually happened to fucking what's-his-name and Psycho Goreman? <laughs> it's like what eventually happened to him. I guarantee it has some influence on that character, awesome. by the way. Yeah. But it, check it out. It, it's, it's, uh, we watched a, a completely perfect rip on YouTube. Okay, sick. So, <laughs> uh, watch the brain. It's, it's very dumb. But after that, our, our man Don was like, we should watch Sharks in the Corn. Sharks in the Corn. Now, what yeah. could this be about, Steve? <laughs> It's about sharks in a cornfield, but it's not really about sharks in a cornfield. It's about America. Let me tell you, it is an hour and 45 minutes for some reason. That's a lot. That's a lot of movie. It's a very lot of movie when you're talking about the lowest quality acting and shooting and and all that. Where's that as welcome, does it? Where's that as welcome? 25 minutes in like 25 minutes in you're like okay the joke is over and that's where you should end but then an hour and 20 later an hour it is torturous it is a it is a time vacuum where you're you're in it and you have no idea how time is moving outside of you but when you come (laughs) out you are changed and four months has passed somehow so it's kind of like going out into the the sandworm abyss yes yeah very much like it's so much like the sandworm abyss. You don't even know. I don't recommend it. It was real bad. Um, I mean, I like a bad movie, but whenever like a bad movie becomes really self-aware and thinks that it's being so good at being yeah, bad, that gets fucking annoying. Yeah, just like because seriously, Sharks in the Corn. Like, if it was, if it was a fifteen-minute short on an anthology. It would work fine. Get away with it. Yeah, you yeah. get away with it. it. In fact, like it would have been one of those that you'd be like, "Remember that? That was fucking weird." You'd laugh about it. It would be memorable. 
but instead it's just where's out it's welcome and it's like i'm never gonna recommend that to anyone word so the next day saturday i was on the discord because of the jack of all graves book club huh what the huh yeah jack of all graves book club Corey uh, uh is over there just conducting everything being all she's awesome the best at this i'm so glad she's done this because it's gotten me reading more fiction doing some book reading yeah I, um, we did um uh paul tremblay's um head full of ghosts head full of ghosts yeah um it's clearly a first novel like but i was surprised to find out that he wasn't like he was a math professor before he wrote it. A professor in maths. Yeah, a professor in maths. <laughs> but he's American, I think. So. <laughs> um, I was I was a little bit surprised by that. It's, I'm not recommending the book, though it has some interesting elements to it, and especially finding out that he was a math professor when he wrote it. Like he he hadn't been like, you know, this uh, English professor who'd been working in the the field for a long time. He just got an idea for a book and wrote it. It was like, oh, okay. That's surprising that you came out with this pretty cool, like, intertwined, three different unreliable narrative sort of book. It's it's interesting. Okay. Not great, though. But it's short. Like, hey, I like that. The um, I, I did the audiobook on two times speed, and it was two and a half hours. <laughs> so Wow. It's pretty quick if you Dude, do want to give it a... I do audiobook stuff on, like, fast all the time yeah me well. too it's fine i'm gonna get all audiobooks read by the micro machines guy all of them that would be amazing i think he died <laughs> all right bring P. him back yeah. and bring back Scatman john <laughs> yeah get all of them back <laughs> and Scatman Crothers. get him in there Br- too yeah, please bring Why back not? Scatman Crothers. we need him uh but yeah so that's that saturday morning we did that and then a few hours later i was back on the discord for the elvira shutter special 40th anniversary of elvira let me tell you what She's canceled. She just it turns out she's a dang lesbian. She is a lesbian, but that <laughs> is not that doesn't get you canceled. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not nineteen forty. So, okay. I guess, you know, she she came out. Good for her. Yeah. Does it is anybody like mad? Is anybody actually offended or anything like that? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Because no. I think especially the horror community is just like, cool, who cares? Yeah, okay, so yeah, the I I Someone did ask on the Discord, like, why take so long? Because, like, it's been a long time she could have come out. I mean, she's been in the spotlight for so long. But also, part of her persona is being sexually attractive to men, and she was making a lot of her money on the the con circuit. Like, she's Mm -hmm, going to horror conventions and stuff. And I think she knows what we know, that a lot of horror dudes are gross. And if they knew that they had no chance with her, they wouldn't pay for an autograph. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So I'm with her. I get it. All right. <laughs> Wait until you're 70 and then be like, I, I, listen, I haven't told you all because I didn't trust you with this information. I like women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she said, like, like I like women. I like women. Here's the thing. She's amazing. I love she Elvira. Was, yeah. And... I really hope that because I know Joe Bob's coming back soon. I really hope that this this uh, Elvira Shutter special was successful. So hopefully they will bring her back 
and have like a Joe Bob season of him doing his thing and then an Elvira season because they do things differently, like completely differently. Um, I appreciate Joe Bob's like deep dive on everything and like yeah. all of his information about stuff. I also appreciate Elvira's just cutting in for a joke. Yeah, yeah, That's, keeping it fun and entertaining. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She did four movies. That's and, a lot of movies. And it's a whole lot of movies, but she did it in the same amount of time it would take for a Joe Bob episode. Okay, got so, it. So, like, <laughs> the first movie was Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Never seen it. If you, Go watch it. It's on Shudder. I loved that movie. As a kid, I loved that movie. I thought, like, as an adult, it's probably going to be a little bit silly to me. And it is. It's awesomely silly and I love campy. silly. Yeah, she's great. I love her, and it's just a fun, stupid movie. Awesome. Um, then they did House on Haunted Hill, which, you know, Vincent Price. There's a walking skeleton. It's not scary at all. Uh, <laughs> and then a movie called The City of the Dead, which was, it was, it felt long. Wait, City of the Dead. I think I watched this. This is from the 50s or 60s. Is it Italian? No. I'm thinking of something else. Oh, there, I think there is one called City of the Dead. That yeah. Anyway. It's like 70s, I think. And then uh, a, a little movie called Messiah of Evil, Messiah which I have never Evil. heard of. Sounds it metal. Is gorgeously shot. Oh. It's not necessarily a great movie, but gorgeously shot on, like, you know, I think it's a 70s film. So it's just like beautifully shot on color film. And it, and it, it's one of those movies that watching it, it's like, right. This is why film needs to still be shot on. Like, we shouldn't be doing everything in digital. Because film can look so much more, like, rich and yeah, deep. a lot of character. Yeah. So, watching that was nice. Uh, I don't have much to say about it. And then, <laughs> uh, Sunday, again, we had Ice Cream Sunday. So, we watched the Scooby-Doo movie from 2002. Because <laughs> it's almost spooky season. And Scooby-Doo and Halloween go together, like... You know, the good things. Punch and pie. There you go. Punch and pie. <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched it. What? Like, you're talking about like Matthew Lillard and shit, right? Yes. It's written by James Gunn. What? what? Yes. Really? Yes. Watch it. So it's like good then. It's so fun, I think. Huh. Laura Latour hated it, but most of us are having a good time, I think. <laughs> yeah. But Damn. it's awesome. I think the second one is, is also directed by James Gunn. So... Watch them. Okay. They're worth it. They're on HBO Max. All right. Definitely worth No it. reason not to, man. I, uh, as well, have watched Good Omens. I finished it. Yeah? Watch it. Just talked about that last so week. So fucking like, good. Uh, we started it, didn't finish it for yep. reasons unknown. Yep. It's so fucking good. Nice. Loved it. Uh, it turns out there's a second season coming. Oh. I'm excited to see what that's going to be because David Tennant and Michael uh, Sheen together are so fucking So fucking good. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I need everybody to and it's that, awesome. Man. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't. Check it out. There's been, no uh, reason not to. That's on Amazon Prime. You've been watching any of that new Dark Side of the Ring they've been dumping out on? Yes, I have. I have too, because I just yeah. noticed the other day on um Hulu, because we don't we don't have Vice, we have Hulu. Right. They started dumping out the uh the first half of the season. So I watched right. the two Brian Pillman episodes. Uh-huh. Awesome. And then last night I watched the fucking Nick Gage episode. Also awesome. Holy fuck, man. That dude. Oh, lunatic. Yeah, but also seems like a sweet dude. Yeah. It's like, I would hate to be in the ring with him, but I'd also 
love to have him as a friend. I Seems think like so. a real nice guy. I mean, the thing is, he like reminds me of so many people that like grew yeah. up around where we grew up. Exactly. Yeah. Seems like a normal guy to me. Yeah. Yeah. I bet a bunch of people watching it were like, "Oh, I'd hate to be around that type of fellow." And it's like, I the six dudes I grew up with are that guy. They're fine. Yeah, he's fine. all right. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. a wild watch, man. Yeah. The I so I do we do have cable, so I've been watching because the the second half of season three has been coming out, so. There was the plane ride from hell episode last week that was kind of like a big deal because um, Ric Flair looks real bad after it. Oh, really? And Tommy Dreamer looks real bad after it. What's the opposite of a woo? <laughs> oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so the plane ride from hell is, I think it was like 2001, 2002. Okay. It was a WWE tour in Europe, and those anytime they go on tour, it gets crazy because it's just all of them away from their families and stuff, but also away from all American responsibilities and things. And Word, they're just yeah. being absolute assholes drinking so much. <laughs> Shocker. So apparently they went through two entire liquor carts before the plane took off. Holy fuck. Yeah. What? Yeah, go check it out. There's stories about Kurt Hennig uh, and Brock Lesnar like having a shoot fight in the plane. <laughs> like... <laughs> Up against the fucking side of the plane what? where those stewardesses were like, you could break the plane, you know? <laughs> yeah. It could be a hole through here that like, we Brock all get pulled like out of. Fucking 275 pounds of beef. Like, yeah. that guy could easily go through a plane. Holy shit. Uh, but yeah, there's some other seedier, grosser stuff involving Ric Flair Ugh. walking around in his uh, robe with his dick out. Sounds right. And cornering a stewardess. Yeah, this also, so, also yeah. sounds right. I have a feeling a lot of the 80s pro wrestlers that we grew up watching are not savory individuals. Yeah, they're... Just a guess. Just not good people at all. You'll find that out when Rob Van Dam is talking about how often he saw women getting their drinks drugged. Oh, Jesus. By wrestlers. And Fuck they do it to that. each other as a joke. <laughs> Fun time. Ha ha ha. Hilarious. You can't control yourself. Ugh. Look at you. So it's gross. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, then Dark there's indeed. The episode on Chris Canyon, which Chris Canyon was one of my absolute favorite wrestlers in WCW. Like just came up with so many amazing moves. And anybody who ever played any WCW wrestling games. Canyon was like one of the most devastating characters always because they had his move set, which meant he had all these insanely devastating moves. Nice. So yeah, Canyon slash Mortis. Uh, he was also gay and hiding it because he wouldn't get anywhere in the wrestling industry if he was gay. Wow. So the story is sad. I very. bet that it is. Yeah. They don't call it dark side of the ring for nothing. It yeah, sure is true. dark. They deliver on their promises. Yeah. You don't usually feel great after watching <laughs> no, it. No, but it's so addictive for some reason, I too. Know. I know. it's just stop, like, I got to keep watching. I, I got to see. I saw that they're, they're doing one about all the like crazy Japanese deathmatches Yeah, and Japanese stuff. deathmatch episode is coming up. I yeah. can't wait to see that shit. Dude. Yeah. Because, like, how do you come up? Because if you don't know anything about Japanese deathmatches, it involved, like, C4 explosives and like barbed wire around the ring and fire around the ring yeah a ring like floating out in a pool electrified water electrified water <laughs> yes like 
This what? is some lunatic shit. Yeah, absolutely. And there you had fucking Sabu and Terry Funk and all uh, these guys that got wrapped Jack. up in it. Yeah, dude. just all those dudes beating the shit out of each other. And getting blowed up. Yeah. Plum blowed up. Plum blowed up. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a wild one for sure. Sure. Absolutely. But yeah, that's I've uh, watched a whole lot of stuff this week. A whole lot of stuff and things. Yeah. I get that, man. I hope I have some time to watch some stuff and things next week because it's just... It's it been has busy. been slammed. Yeah. It has been fucking slammed, man. So That's rough. Been a wild time, man. Been a wild time. I'll tell you what, though. I did also have time to watch a Betelgeuse. 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 Yeah, you know the one. Yeah. And I'll tell you what I found about this movie. It's got a whole bunch of the brightest stars from Hollywood. Whoa! I don't know why I went into... Was that... Uh, that was Punch-Out, right? The in-between. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I started doing I Love Lucy. <laughs> that is what I probably intended to do. <laughs> <laughs> Which also doesn't make sense, but... It doesn't, but yeah. whatever. Let's just go with it. We Punch got out, there. I Love Lucy, Hollywood. Right. <laughs> yeah, this has got a pretty damn old big stacked cast it in does. here of people that I see and I think of them as other iconic characters, what I've seen them in in other movies and so on. So sure. Steve, I say before we get on to the movie review, let's mm-hmm. stop in at the Preview Palace. Hey, it's me, Beetlejuice. Oh, shit. Wait, I said my own name. I can't be me. Oh, no. Oh, welcome to the Preview Palace. He says, fading away into oblivion. <laughs> I think considering this has such a big-ass cast of stars, I think this sounds like a pretty perfect time to play a round of our favorite game that our good old buddy Andy Wood dropped on us. Uh-huh. Who's your Tom Cruise is the name of the right. game. Who's your? This is one of those games that we play while we're on the road and stuff, touring all the time, and it's just a great old time killer. The basic idea is you just name somebody famous, and mm-hmm. you tell us who you think of them as. What is their iconic role right. that really you know, is the character you think of when you think about that person? Let's start off with this leading handsome, handsome man. Oh, yeah. This old stud muffin hunk that's in this movie. Who's your Alec Baldwin? Well, I mean, it's Jack Donaghy from 30 Rock, it's right? It's got to be. Right. But, Dude. I mean, if if I'm not picking Jack Donaghy, but that is the, That's the, the role. One, That's the for role. Sure. Yeah. If I'm not picking him, I go with uh, him and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, which really? is. Yeah. Because it's, it's, I think, probably his first role where he really got to be the Alec Baldwin dick. That mm-hmm. he gets to be so often in roles okay. that Jack yeah. Donaghy is obviously like based off yeah. of, because like you know he's a he was like a soap opera star mm-hmm. before Beetlejuice and Beetlejuice kind of helped get him on the map and then Glenn Gary Glenn Ross is just a couple years after oh, or maybe okay. just the next year yeah. and it, he gets to just really be that Alec Baldwin style dick word yeah see the thing is is before we started watching Thirty Rock and he just became Jack Donaghy. Uh, that is the, his defining role for sure. Yeah. Before that, he was the motherfucking shadow to me. The for shadow. Now and for always. That's right. I forgot you love that movie. I don't know why I love that movie so much, <laughs> but I do. And like, I watched it again a couple months ago, and I was like, this is still just like really fun for me for some reason. It's yeah. not objectively that great of a movie or anything, but for some reason, I've just seen it so fucking many times. Yeah. I uh, I remember it came on HBO back in the day all the yeah, time. Yeah, or Stars. Yeah. It was on Stars a bunch. Right, yeah. But uh, that was his kind of like iconic role to me. 
was the motherfucking shadow. I mean, he knows. He knows that shadow. <laughs> All right, who's your Gina Davis, man? Old Gina, da- old GD. She's old called GD. They GD, called. Gina Davis. Oh goddamn, Gina Davis. <laughs> she's uh, known as. I mean, I think of her obviously as Dottie in a league of their own. A league of Theron. A league of Theron. <laughs> yeah. I think of Dottie usually. That that's the first role that comes to mind. I got a second one, but let's hear. Let's yeah. hear what you think. So that makes total sense, and I think that's probably most people's answer because yeah. she does rock in that movie, and that yeah. movie is still fucking great. Still great. Still She's really still awesome in it, et cetera. Dude, for some reason though, I, and I think it might be the first movie of hers that I seen. I think of her from Dang Old Cutthroat Island. Okay, Cutthroat Island. A notorious, huge Hollywood flop. Yeah, that Big did not make sinker. Did not make my pirate movies do that a lot. Yeah, but Hollywood keeps insisting on trying, and then they succeeded with Pirates of the Caribbean. So in ten years, we're gonna get another big budget. I'm ready for it. Yeah, bring it on. Uh, but her in that movie, I don't know why exactly, but that's just what sticks out of my head. Again, I think I watched that one a bunch of times when I was like a kinder kid. Yeah, so it just sticks out to me. It is kind of a long and kind of boring movie, but right. it's not as bad as you think it is. Come on. I Maybe so. I haven't ever watched it. Really? So maybe I should check it out. Dude, you should totally watch it. All right. I'll- Didn't, um, ah, oh, what's his name? What's his fuck that did uh, Elm Street 4? Didn't he do it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. What's his fuck? God damn it. Germanic We're, guy. D- d- but doobie-doo. Dubba-doobie-doo. Dubby That's doobie-doo. Dobby-doobie-doo. Dobby-doobie-doo. He's a great director. That just big hunky guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Rennie Harlan. Rennie Harlan. Fuck That's yes. the one, man. Got you got it. <laughs> Pulled it out. Uh, yeah, it's not really all that good, but it's less bad than people say it is. Yeah, okay. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> People I also say that like about colonoscopies in, and stuff. Yeah, too. I also uh, think of her in The Fly because The Fly was oh a movie I watched God, a lot as a kid. Oh my God, man! Holy fuck! How did I not even think about that? Yeah, probably because I didn't see The Fly until two or three years ago. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's probably it. probably a League why. of Their Own was one I saw a ton for sure because uh, I loved baseball and uh, my sister was really into that movie, so we we'd rent it regularly. It's a treasure. It is a treasure. Still Great so movie. good, man. Mm-hmm. What about? A my cow Kiatun, <laughs> what plays Beatley Giusi himself? Kiatun. Kiatun. Well, I, I think, think I'm saying it right. I mean, the obvious role is Batman. It's got to be Batman. I mean, He's I, Batman. I rewatched Batman this week along with all those movies I mentioned. I also snuck in a rewatch of Batman. Damn. And it's so good. He's fucking awesome. That Who's movie- your Batman? Is he your Batman? Well, the, I was having that debate with myself last night because he's better than. Christian Bale and Christian Bale, yep. I would think, would be the only other number two possibility, if, yeah. unless you're really into Ben Ben Affleck. Uh-huh. Uh Yeah, yeah, it's definitely Keaton. I think he's the Batman. Yeah, he is yeah. the Batman. Unless totally. we're talking about the animated versions, in which there case Kevin Conroy is Batman. Kevin Conroy yeah. is forever the voice of Batman. Yeah. Like when you read a, a Batman comic. Uh, That's the voice in your head for but Batman, for sure. that Batman the Animated Series wouldn't really exist without Tim Burton's Batman. Very, very fair. And, it's like, true. so much of what they did that's really cool is obviously playing on the German expressionism from oh. Tim Burton's Batman. So, but Kevin Conroy fleshed out the character so much. So good, yeah. man. Yeah, Michael Keaton to me is is Batman. Yeah. To me, like, that is just the role that I think of when I think about Michael Keaton. And, of course, he's been... 
so many fucking iconic characters. He has, yeah. I mean, just as as uh, the Vulture, he's fucking amazing and incredible. I, like one of the most charismatic Marvel villains. Period. Yeah, the Vulture. And before that, fucking Birdman yeah. was incredible. Exactly. Amazing movie, dude. I think that he doesn't really... He's one of those guys, kind of like we were talking about Kurt Russell recently, where you're like, he's played so many different characters that are all completely different and equally iconic. Yeah. I think he kind of gets underrated as an actor Oh, yeah. Very often. Michael Keaton definitely gets underrated. And fucking awesome. Yeah. Because, I mean, you just see it in this the range that he shows as Beetlejuice is fucking insane. Absolutely yeah. nuts, man. Yeah, this movie would not be the same without him. What about old Catherine O'Hare? Who's your Catherine O'Hare? Okay. She's a fucking treasure, she dude. She is an absolute treasure, and I love her so much. And I think, for me, it's this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think, because, like, she is the funniest bit of this movie. She is, for sure. Like, even with Michael Keaton being great and improvising and stuff, a lot of what he's weapon. improvising is not supposed to be necessarily funny. It's supposed to make him seem like gross and edgy or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But she's just funny. She is. Yeah. She's hilarious, man. It's kind of funny with her because, like, I think if you would have asked me this question in different like phases of my life, I'd give You'd you have different, a different answers. Answer, yeah, because when I was a kid, <laughs> she's alone. Kevin McAllister's mom. Right. Yeah. yeah, she's Kevin. Like mm-hmm. that's who I thought of her as for forever, until I hit those college years when I started watching all the like Christopher Guest movies. Right. Because she's utterly in fucking show. hysterical in those what things. Else is she Mighty Wind. Mighty Wind, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. All of her stuff in um, Best in Show, mm-hmm. where she's, I guess, just this, like, floozy that all the guys know. Right. I'm not wearing underwear. <laughs> God damn it. She is so fucking funny. I think yeah. her name's Cookie in that one or something like that, isn't she it? Is, she is, like, yeah, she's just hilarious in everything she Amazing. does. And she, like, shines in everything, too. She she's does. Like, so very recognizable and whatnot and has her own like because anybody else doing this role a lot of the stuff that she makes funny isn't necessarily funny like it's not meant to be necessarily funny but the way she plays it makes it fucking funny. totally dude yeah she's like that with everything and nowadays though man when i think about Catherine o'hara it's she's moira rose from fucking Shit's Creek. Oh, right. Yeah, I really need to fucking watch that. Emily, we're, we're going to watch it because Emily put it on the list of things to watch whenever she's off school. But I'm telling you, man. Yeah. That show is a fucking treasure. Yeah. It is a treasure. Okay. Like, I'm I just mean, I watched the first episode and enjoyed it. it. I, man, and I'm telling you, like, honestly, the first season of the show, I was like, it's fine. Right. It, I, I wasn't, like, totally nuts about it. Just it just gets better, you're saying? It just fucking gets better and better oh, and right better. On. It's so fucking funny. But, yeah, to me, dude, she is forever the baby. <laughs> okay. Dude, her character on the show uh-huh. just gets more and more fucking ridiculous. Awesome. Just ridiculous, man. Um, You'll totally, totally love it. I know awesome. that you will, man. Um, what about the pedophile Jeffrey Jones? Oh, I like the that known he's in pedophile. That's my favorite. He'll always just be a pedophile yeah. to me. Yeah, who took advantage of child pornography and stuff yeah. like that. Kind of grossed me out when he kisses Winona Ryder. On yeah, because I was, I was yeah. like, oh, I wonder what was that a? Because I, I don't know. know what age he was into. Yeah, so. no. Uh-uh. How I was really this? wondering about that, and it yeah. kind of makes you just think about other stuff, like him and like Ferris Bueller and stuff like that. Where yeah. you're like, you were on set with a lot of kids, yeah. And odds are, the producers and stuff probably already knew this about you at some point, probably, yeah. And probably just kept endangering a bunch of kids by putting you on the set with them. Well, Jeffrey wouldn't do that. He probably would. Probably would. 
Probably would. Yeah. So, uh, prison, my favorite. That's my favorite yeah. role of his for sure, <laughs> yeah. man. Very, very good. What about old Winon Ryder? Okay, so as as a kid, it was Heather's. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh, what a fucked up movie. Though this was the first movie I saw her in, obviously. I saw this on on uh, VHS probably not long after it came out because we were... The cartoon, I think, had already come out by the time VHS came out. And, like, I think so, We yeah. had seen like so many ads for it in comic books, and then we'd been watching the cartoon, and we wanted to see the movie, so we saw it pretty, pretty much instantly. Um, but I saw Heather's not long after that. And that was the role that made me be like, oh, that girl. I know who that is. That girl. Right. Yeah. And now it might be Stranger Things. Yeah, totally. But I, I think she's always going to be associated with Heather's in my mind. I get that, man. Heather's yeah. is such a fucking love warped it. movie. It's so crazy. We need to do that on the show sometime. Absolutely. That's I would love legit to. legit darker than a lot yeah. of the horror movies that we do. We could do Heather's and Jawbreaker and something else, maybe. That'd be fun. Jawbreaker's so good, too. Do like a little back to school special, yeah, back something to like school that. Special, <laughs> be awesome. We already done the faculty, so that's out. Oh yeah, there's other good. school stuff for sure. All right, all yeah. right. Yeah, dude. For me, Winona Ryder, I think the thing that I think of when I think about her the most is Mina. I have crossed <laughs> oceans of time. Yeah, I think about her in Bram Stoker's. Yeah, Bram Stoker's. Yeah, she's just absolutely fucking gorgeous in that movie and all those iconic costumes and stuff. And uh, I don't know. That's just the one that I latch on to. That is my Winona Ryder for some reason. All right. I just got a couple more here I want to ask you about. Let okay. me just, let me ask you. Ask me. Who's your Danny Elfman? Oh. Let's go I didn't soundtrack here. This one. Right? Huh. Because this guy has done soundtrack stuff for he so has. fucking many iconic ass movies. Yeah. And has also influenced a lot. Mm-hmm. Of uh, film score stuff, pretty much anything that goes, yeah. Oh, it's like a Danny Elfman soundtrack kind right. of thing. Hugely, hugely popular. Of course, you got to start in those Oingo Boingo days. Oinged it and boinged it back then. And I know. Then Tim Burton brought him on for a Pee Wee, mm-hmm. and that started him down the path of just making a music for a for a, a television show, That's for right. a movie. Dude, I think for me. My Elf Man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's really in between uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Right. Because we all that fucking is, know those yeah. songs. That's Super probably the one that's the hardest to beat. Yeah, I was going to say, that's probably the highest on the list for but anybody. But much before that, dude, it was bum, 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 Batman Animated Series. Yeah. Which is also from the Batman soundtrack, of course. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, the, the Batman stuff is probably my favorite. Like, it so really just good. hits the exact tone. I mean, it established that tone, though. Like, I mean, it, if you read Batman, it, there was already that dark sort of noir tone to it. But that makes that sets that tone while making it also f- fun and interesting. Yeah. So yeah, it's for me that Danny Elfman's Batman is, and and you know Batman Returns, just fucking so good. Yeah, man, fucking iconic ass yeah. composer. And lastly, I gotta ask you, our director of this little pellicular right here, old Timothy Barton. Yeah, what's my what's my Tim Burton movie? Who's your Tim Burton man? Who's your guy? Oh, Are you a big man. fish? Big fish is great. That is a great one. That is like one of his better, like emotional tug movies because you got like Edward Scissorhands has got that sort of emotional tug, but it's always kind of distant and cold in some ways. But um, for yeah, anybody our age, it's, it's got to be between this and Batman. 
Yeah. It's got to be. Because, uh, yeah, Beetle- Beetlejuice was one that, as a kid, I watched a million times, but also Batman I watched a million times. That's a tough one to choose. It's honestly a coin toss. It really it? is. Because, like, I think of his more modern stuff, like Sweeney Todd or whatever, and I like those things. Yeah. But, man, I think it is Beetlejuice for me. Right? I think this is, like, his, like, it's not maybe, in my mind, the his best movie. Because, man, Batman Returns, fucking amazing. Bonkers, yeah. Yeah. But this is the movie I think of immediately. And I have so much like associate positive association with Beetlejuice. Maybe because there were toys in a cartoon. Oh, Who knows? Dude, the merchandising right. of this was out of control. Yeah. Man. But for me, it's Beetlejuice. Yeah. I get it, man. So to me, I'm probably going to say Batman because I spent more time with it as a ute. Yeah. Um, I'll tell my story about seeing this for the first time here in a second, but like I didn't really watch this as a kid. I don't right. have that same uh, nostalgic attachment that a lot of people our age do because mm-hmm. I didn't grow up watching this movie. This movie is more intrinsically Tim Burton than Batman yeah, is. It's true. You know, like everything about this just reeks of Tim Burton. Uh, but to me, I think Batman is the one that I'll probably always associate with because I just spent more time with it than, than Beetlejuice. Yeah. You know, no, I agree. It, it's like it is just a toss up there between the two because, like, I mean, I, I'm sure for younger audience, it might be any number of things. Maybe they'll even say uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or whatever. Oh boy, I sure hope not. Alice in Wonderland. Did he do uh, that? Yeah, he did that. Ah, oh, that was just terrible. Remember when? That had that really bad dance at the end, the Johnny Depp. I had tried to forget about that. Yeah. It was the worst. You brought that back for it me. It was real bad. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. I hated it so much, man. There's something about Tim Burton on a budget that makes it better. Yeah. When he mm-hmm. can't do everything that comes to mind. Right. It's usually better that yeah, way. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know? Yeah, if he had been able if they had like lowered that budget on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or lowered that budget on Wizard of Oz. Not Wizard of Oz, uh, Alice in Wonderland. If they lowered the budget and he had to go with more, like, campy stuff like he does here Uh in this movie where you get a lot of sort of B-movie-looking stuff, but that's his style. That's what you associate with him. You don't associate weird CGI with him. I guess you have to now. Yeah, now you do. But, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Word, Burton on a budget, always better. Always better, man. And also, a beer in a cup. Beer in a cup's always better. It's always better than a cup that doesn't have a beer in it. <laughs> it's true. Favorite kind of cup? Beer-containing kind. That's right, yeah. Because, you know, what would be the other option? Gasoline? That's no not thanks. cool. I don't want it. That ain't going to get me fired up. <laughs> not like this D9 Brewing Imperial Pumpkin Ale Head of the Horseman. I'm excited. I got this on my recent pumpkin beer buying spree. I've right. kind of been on a mania lately, just buying any pumpkin beer that I can find. Uh-huh. Um, I bought this one because I was super stoked. I didn't recognize the can or anything. And then I remembered I actually did have this on tap at Merchants of Beer. They had okay. it on tap like right after we moved to Knoxville. And I'm happy to tell you I drank, I think, half of the keg. Because okay. it's fucking awesome. Okay, so I'm excited for this, then. It's 10% alcohol. <laughs> oh, boy. It's a big one. Good thing we're splitting this pint here. <laughs> Elsewise, we might be under the table, for fully real. away from our microphones. <laughs> 100% I would be. 
I'm looking forward to this right here. It is gonna be hard to live up to that fucking yeah pumpkin nitro pumpkin nitro cold brew. Ooh. Fuck man, I swear, dude, that is still without a doubt the best pumpkin beer that I've had. And actually, right after we did our episode last week when we had it for the first time. I noticed good old Merchants of Beer has it on tap right now. Oh, yeah? And it's ridiculous. I actually think, though, I like it with the nitro in the can better. You know? Something about that creaminess. Okay. It's just better that way. All right. I might have to swing by MOB and have one. You need to find out about it. Yeah, uh, because I've always been interested in that, because the nitro, it has like that little thing in the can. The widget. Yeah. I wonder if that has more of an effect. Because do they put one of those things in the keg can? So the in keg the, the keg can, can they call it's called. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, no, so it's not nitro. It is just carbonated regular like. Hmm. So it doesn't have Boo, that like creaminess to it that the can one did. This smells good though. It smells, it smells like really pumpkin good. beer. That's the thing about that uh, pumpkin nitro cold brew is i think that like the fact that it does have the nitro and it made it really creamy yeah it kind of gave us some of that like you know whipped cream on the pumpkin pie right. sensation that we kinda were looking rounded for. it all out yeah exactly mm-hmm. whereas the one that's on tap is still fucking amazing it's still probably my number three favorite pumpkin beer okay. ever um but it doesn't have that same full package mm. whipped cream on the pumpkin pie right. kind of thing See about this uh, head of the horseman right here. I think that you'll enjoy this one a lot. I remember loving it back in the day. Hmm. Yeah, solid. Yeah, that's solid. It it doesn't. It's not too sweet, but it's got all the spices there. Oh, it's very spicy. Yeah, like all the spices there without it being too sweet because it's, it's got that like cinnamon sweetness, but not like a sugary sweetness. Cinnamon is definitely the biggest flavor that's present mm-hmm. here to me. You get a little bit of that nutmeg, a little bit of that clove right. on the back. I think. Yep. Um, shockingly, it's not that boozy. No, that... that, 10%? I think the cloves are covering up a good bit of that. Because that that little bit of clove on the back end is like... Covers some heat. Covers some heat to it, yeah. I think that you're probably right. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. It's not pumpkin No, it's not. And it's definitely not the pumpkin... Uh, cold brew. No. Nitro. Uh Uh-uh. That was so fucking awesome. It's not on the same level as that, but this is still... Pretty fucking damn yeah, good to me, man. Very much uh, drinkable pumpkin beer. I think not so. Not the type that uh, you get you uh, get in one of those like seasonal six packs or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, like a Sam Sam Adams or something. Get that out of here. Yeah, no thanks, man. All right, man, let's talk about old Beetlejuice right here. This came Finally. out in 19 and Ocho Ocho. Yeah, the Ocho Ocho, they call it. Um, Yeah, I remember I was very young, but I remember the build-up to this because we loved peewee mm-hmm. yeah and it they would say like from the director of peewee's big event because that yeah, was like that was what they were had. that was one of the things they were banking on was because peewee did so well burton had become this bankable director they were thinking like well if people remember peewee they'll remember how like little weird it was and that'll like ease them into how weird this movie is right yeah so we were all we were excited about it, my cousins and my sister and I, and um, uh, we I remember when we rented it on VHS and watched it. I remember giggling and rolling on the floor when the the dance sequence happened. Yeah, yeah, like it was so <laughs> perfect for a child. Damn. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like, wait, what is happening? And then like, 
ha, adults acting so silly. Dude, like, that's the thing about it is like this had to be one of those rare flicks, especially in the late 80s, where it's just like kids could get a kick out of it, but also the adults are kind of watching a completely different movie. Right. There is a whole other movie going on yeah. that's much darker. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely so. And, it, you know, also the fact that there's just, you know, all kinds of age rage, uh, mm-hmm. age ranges represented here, where it's yeah. just like a kid can watch it for Lydia, yeah. a grown-up can watch it for the Dietzes or whatever. It's just like, honestly, the whole family can kind of have some fun with this one. Yeah. As long as your family's kind of dark and creepy. Which yeah. mine was not, so I did yeah. not see this as... I'll tell you this. Okay. So, and again, I'm a little bit younger than you, so mm-hmm. 1988 for me, I was five. Yeah, I, I was six when this came out. Yeah, yeah. maybe four. No, I'd, I'd have been like, yeah, I'd have been four. I was born yeah. in 1984, so I'd have been four years old when this came out. So, I don't really remember it or anything like that. Uh, I do remember watching the cartoon. Yeah. And well, really yeah, we, enjoying it. Yeah, as I said, we watched the cartoon before we got to see the movie, because... I remember the cartoon came out like December of either December of 88 or December of 89, but I I don't think we had seen the movie yet. Yeah. But the cartoon was one of those things that was just like, it had some sort of silly elements to it. Like there was, I remember there's like the commercials and things were like weird. They would have like commercials within the show. Yeah. 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 That was really cool. But it had a whole different dynamic where Beetlejuice and Lydia are friends. Like friends and stuff in it. Yeah. (laughs) So that was like a little bit different than what I got whenever I saw the actual movie that it was based on. So here's the funny thing. It had to have been, because again, this is VHS era, so maybe yeah. 89 or 90, I would assume. Uh, my family and I went for the ultra rare, like, oh my God, everybody's going out to dinner. Mom and dad and the kids, we're all going somewhere together. Like We never, yeah. ever, 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 ever did that. Yeah. But for whatever reason, we went out to... um. Fuck, dude. What is it called? Out by the Morristown Mall. There's the like Sizzler? A, it was a Sizzler. Yeah, yeah. It was. I was trying to remember. It was like, was it a Sizzler or was it yeah. something else? My mom would take us there on our rare occasions we'd go out to. Super that was rare. like, because it was, the Sizzler, if you look at the price points, it's cheaper than going to like an Applebee's or Bo Charlie's or whatever. We didn't have those in Morristown We didn't even back have then. those no. at those point. But like, it's cheap, but you can get a steak or whatever. And kids can't tell the difference between... Yeah, a cheap totally. steak and an expensive steak. No, it's cheaper than going to the Little Dutch. Oh, Ooh. the Little Dutch, yeah. Old school Morristown fancy yeah. right there. <laughs> a bunch of people listening. I think maybe we have like two listeners in maybe. Morristown. Maybe, no. <laughs> <laughs> but if you know, you fucking know. Yeah. So we went to the Sizzler, and if I recall, they had like kind of like a, a kid's section, I guess, or it's just like, oh, little tables, yeah. and there's a TV on, and mm-hmm. probably some toys and I stuff like that. I remember all this, yeah. For whatever reason, they were showing Beetlejuice. Oh, really? In this little room. Okay. And I remember it getting to the part where Gina Davis like rips her face off. Uh-huh. And leaving the table and going and finding my parents. Oh. Like little fucking, <laughs> you know, again, maybe at that point, maybe five or six-year-old little Ben right. was not ready for that. I felt like I got fucking sucker punched because I was wow. like- I watched the cartoon of this. Lydia and Beetlejuice are friends, and it's fun, and it's funny, and it's wacky. Right. And then I watched the real thing. It's just like, oh, no, he's a fucking, you know, bio-exorcist demon thing, and they rip off their faces and shove their yeah. hands through their heads and stuff. Like, yeah. I was, like, totally sucker-punched by this When they kid. do the, like, hands through the head stuff, that, as a kid, did creep me out a lot. Yeah, yeah. I get it, man. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing about it is, like, 
this is kind of a kids movie question mark but there's some like disturbing ass shit in it there is i like same with peewee damn large marge fucking traumatized a generation yeah i was gonna say like that is just classic tim burton is that like he he saw something as a kid that traumatized him but also like and he just paint it forward like he he was enamored with it and that's the thing with kids and and these types of movies is that like they will be scared by them but they also won't stop watching them a lot i was of gonna time. say man like yeah. there's something about the psychology of being a kid where you can see something that is utterly terrifying and gives you nightmares and stuff but you want to see it but still. you want to see it yeah. still dude i don't know what the deal is i had all kinds of little fascinations like that as a kid, I had this uh, this like Game Pro magazine that had uh-huh. a um, an advertisement in it for the Atari Jaguar Jurassic Park game. Okay, and the, it was like a full page ad that was just like one of the Velociraptors, like super up close. Its face is just uh-huh. right there, and uh, it scared the shit out of me for some reason. It wasn't a hologram, was it? It wasn't a hologram. Okay, because I was those, gonna say you might have been worried about Satan. It might have been one of those satanic holograms <laughs> that that we were also scared of in the eighties. I'm telling you, man. Hologram people. Dave Bechet knows. Dave Bechet knows. He knows hologram people. It's a fucking thing. (laughs) But anyway, it's like there was this one page ad, and but I would still like sneak peeks at it and stuff. I was like, I can't not look at this, but it absolutely fucking scares the shit out of me. We were all that way with stuff as kids. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it really was. And there's a level of trust, I think, that Tim Burton and other people that greenlit this there, there's a trust that they have where they're like, this is going to freak kids out, but they can handle it. Yeah. They'll remember it. You still see that in kids' stuff today. Like, there, there's still a lot of stuff coming out that is directed at kids, but it is very much uh, a, a little too intense, it would seem. But kids can handle it. I'm telling you, man. You ever thought about what Peppa Pig would look like in real life? Both <laughs> eyes on the side of that head? Holy fuck, it'd be terrifying. <laughs> I was thinking more of like Gravity Falls and, and Steven Universe and stuff that will deal none of much that. more difficult situations and stuff, but they're still directed at kids. <laughs> but yeah, like this type of stuff was the stuff we wanted as kids. It, it, it's, it doesn't treat you like a child, but it also does have a bunch of stuff that's obviously meant... For children, like that, yeah. it's funny for kids. Yeah, adults acting silly and singing yeah. Deo and shit like that. Yeah, and also like creepy, gross things. Yeah, like that, this is totally stuff that fucking every '80s kid wanted. Exactly, and and that I think a lot of that comes from Tim Burton's. Like he's never left behind that uh, childish sort of quality, which is a good thing for an artist to never really leave behind that. What was it that scared me as a child? Or what was I, like, titillated by as a child? Yeah, yeah. Like, what was the stuff that, like, I couldn't look away from, but also it scared me while I was looking at it? Yeah, that's a fine line. Yeah. So he, he's been able to do a good job with that. And, you know, uh, even though we said we aren't big on Alice in Wonderland or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, there's a ton of kids that are. That's Like, true. he's reached a whole New different generation. generation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is also pretty cool for a director of that caliber to span and influence multiple generations. Yeah, because Pee-wee was 86. That's like old. We're talking about, he, he, yeah, from 86 to more recently, scarring children. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Because he did like a lot of adult movies in between there, too. Like movies that weren't aimed at kids at all. 
I'd say Edward Scissorhands had like a teenage range to it, but like uh, Sleepy Hollow and stuff like that, th- those were just meant for adults, and a kid might watch it and enjoy it, but it really just doesn't have like the silly little side plots or whatever that might necessarily pull them in. Yeah. But he, uh, yeah, as more recently has done stuff that is obviously aimed at kids again. And that that's cool to have several generations of people scarred by your work, I think. <laughs> I think so. I think in addition to like just being, you know, kind of lightly scarred by some of this stuff as a kid, like, like I said, I was fucking terrified whenever I right. saw that shit. Dude, I was also so enticed by all that fucking merchandising and all yeah. the toys and stuff that yeah, came out. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was Burger King or McDonald's. Burger King. Burger King. I actually yeah. watched a bunch of the old adverts oh, okay. last night. Yeah. I was like, I got to watch I remember some of these the toys. Again. Yeah. Dude, you remember there was the one playset thing that was like, it was like a coffin that you'd put a full-size Beetlejuice in, and then you'd turn a knob and you'd open it up and it'd be like a little miniature Right, yes, I do. Or just disappear entirely. Right. Uh-huh. I remember a kid brought that to like show and tell one time. Coolest kid there, I bet. Oh, he's fucking cool yeah. as shit, man. <laughs> all the toys for this, I totally, totally remember, yeah. man. The cars, there was all kinds of just random shit attached to this. I think there's a... Because we, we talked about this with the RoboCop episode, where there were RoboCop toys, and it's like... Not a, a kid's movie. Not a kid's movie. <laughs> I think there's a fine line, and I think this one straddles it well where it's like yeah this is maybe a little over the heads of a eight-year-old yeah but maybe a 10 or 11 year old is is gonna be real good with this and like i you can't say that about robocop like a 10 or 11 year old might watch robocop but it's fucked up. <laughs> this, yeah. This, like, it really just depends on if the kid can handle the fantasy, silly grossness of it. And if you can, it's just a fun movie. I remember, uh, you know, I, I was probably like eight or whatever when we finally did see it. And it was fine for me. The the things that did I did have trouble with. As I said, the the face through the hands and then like the big wide open Gina oh, Davis. Yeah. Super Gina Davis creepy. is a pretty lady and now she's this like big scary Hideous tooth monster. monster. Yeah. Um and then um uh also the ladies when she's smoking and smoke comes out of her throat oh, as yeah. a kid that scared the shit out of me because well, we were surrounded la- by smokers. Yes, and that lady reminded me of my, my nanny, my my wow, grandmother. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, oh no, I was like imagining my nanny is dead, and she's still mean. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like th- this movie did a good job, a good number on me of like. It stuck with me in a very positive way while also scaring me, mm-hmm. which is, I think, probably exactly what a Tim Burton movie is supposed to do. Right. Right. And it's crazy, too, that this turned out as good as it did, considering that the original script treatment <laughs> right. had so much overhauling done to it. Yeah. Like, usually that is a sign of just like something that doesn't work to begin with that Hollywood is just trying to force into existence and just right. shit it out and move on to the next thing. It's usually a really bad sign when you have this many drastic rewrites to a script, but actually this time it was the right move? Yeah. That original script had some questionable things. It did. It. So Michael McDowell's original script included, um, well, the the death of the Maitlands was much more brutal, uh Apparently, we would have heard them screaming for help and and uh, 
Jean Davis's ba- arm Barbara, got ripped yeah, off. her left arm got like caught and gets sort of, you know, ripped off or something. Yikes. And, and they left as an like a reference to it in the, the script that we do yeah. see because when she comes back she talks about her arm her is cold. cold. Yeah. It's weird. But um so also Beetlejuice was supposed to be more of a a demon normally, but he could come into the form of a short Middle Eastern man who spoke with like a black vernacular. That's not problematic at all. That aged great. Yeah, but it's probably why Tim Burton wanted Sammy Davis Jr. to play the role. What the hell? Because he was thinking like, well, who could, I yeah. guess, look like a Middle Eastern man, but also... I'm the host with the most, baby. <laughs> it, that actually could have worked It actually for me. might have worked. It might have worked. I mean, we see, we know Michael Keaton's performance now, so it's like, no, that would have been Can't a bad idea. Else, yeah. But if we had never seen that, it'd be like, okay, Sammy Davis Jr. is Beetlejuice, fine. And Tim Burton's stuff always has this like fixation on like the 1950s like yeah. Mars Attacks and stuff like yeah, that yeah exactly he loves that 1950s kind of idyllic aesthetic and yeah. stuff so it maybe would have worked but it's like you said after you've seen Michael Keaton in this you're just like I literally can't imagine yeah who else would have with been anyone able to else. do this yeah anybody else yeah and I guess uh when he wasn't in that Middle Eastern man form he was a dang old Wang Damon yeah Wang Damon Wang Damon and he um there he didn't want to marry Lydia. He wanted to have sex with her. And a, she was a teenage I think, girl, a teenager in the script. She, she's stuff. like thir- she's like thirteen to sixteen. They call uh, her a kid, so she is definitely. Anyway, Jeffrey uh, Jones would have liked that script more. Probably, yeah. He'd be like, "This Beetlejuice guy's a hero." <laughs> What's I don't understand. Where's the bad Who's guy? Who's the villain in this? <laughs> Um, oh god! Yucky. There also he was a, th- a fourth Dietz, uh, Kathy Dietz, who would have been nine years old, and she was the one who could see the Maitlands. And apparently, there was a brutal scene where she is uh, uh, horrifically maimed by Beetlejuice How in fun. the form of a, a rabid squirrel or what? something. Yeah, this sounds bonkers. Yeah, so it already was weird, but. Here's the thing. Tim Burton had done Pee Wee, and he was now seen as bankable. So he was getting all these scripts, and he was getting real depressed because all the scripts were terrible. And he specifically mentioned the script to Hot to Trot, which I don't know if you remember, Uh -uh. is about an investment banker and a talking horse who gives him stock tips. (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah, so he was real depressed about this, and he he was starting to work on Batman for Warner Brothers. Okay, but I say he was starting to work on Batman for Warner Brothers, and somebody listening right now is like, "Oh, so we got like a big fucking job?" No, no, no. He convinced Warner Brothers to let him do Batman, which they thought was a terrible idea, and they weren't going to turn into a movie. Because who would go see a comic book movie? That's the craziest thing, right? It's like imagine trying to explain that either i mean you know go back in time explain that to us back then go right. forward in time explain that to a kid now where you're just like you remember when nobody wanted to watch comic book movies right tim burton was trying to make one yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so you're right it's just like we were talking about this earlier i was just like man it's crazy they took such a gamble to you know 
see Beetlejuice or whatever and be like, yeah, this guy should do Batman. But at that time... It's not a gamble at all. Yeah, because it wasn't a fucking hot property. Yeah. They're probably just trying to give the rights away to fucking Batman. We'll do Batman sometime and we'll talk about the development of Batman. Because that was a long development of so many people trying to make a Batman movie. But basically, he starts... The idea of working on Batman with the... I can't remember the other director's name ham something ham um and they they start working on it but like uh he gets this script from david geffen by uh michael mcdowell who he had directed a script for before on alfred hitchcock presents oh so he's like oh well i know michael's work i like i like his work so he starts reading it and he's like oh i like this this is you know dark and weird and interesting uh, obviously, it's going to need some rewrites, etc. And they do. They they have some rewrites. They have a few rounds of rewrites. Michael McDowell's still involved, and he's still the primary writer on the script. So he more than 50% of the ideas are his ideas. Okay. So it didn't change everything, but some pretty big changes from what we just said. Like, you get a Michael Keaton Beetlejuice in the end who is just a white dude. <laughs> There's no... Middle Eastern man, there's no uh, uh, winged demon, there's no black vernacular, it is just Michael Keaton. But also, Michael Keaton's, because they're not using the black vernacular bit, they basically leave Michael Keaton to do ad-libs. Yeah, for just like do whatever you want. Stuff. This was shocking to me to find out how much of the character the aesthetic everything of beetlejuice is, is michael just keaton. michael keaton yeah he made a lot of these choices himself and tim Crazy. burton basically just told him that like he he's a man who could fit in any time yeah and so michael keaton just went from there like and that's why his backstory is impossible like you know he says uh, obviously making shit up that he went to harvard law but also that he survived the black plague and all these things like he's we don't know when he's from or where he's from. All that stuff in there where he blurts out all that shit about how he's like traveled extensively and went to Harvard Law, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Those are all Michael Keaton. Yeah, facts. all shit made up. No, that's stuff that Michael Keaton actually did. Oh, right. Right. But he didn't survive the Black Plague. He did not. Yeah. No, but I otherwise. know the other stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And he's being very like suddenly very proper and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Like he talks like Michael Keaton there for just a second and then yeah. just on a dime is back to being Beetlejuice uh-huh. again. This I've seen the dude. Exorcist 167 times, and it I laugh. Just keeps getting funnier. Just every keeps time. getting funnier every time, dude. Yeah. This character, man, it's absolutely wild that he had a pretty small amount of time to prepare for it, right? And it was all in his hands, and is also actually only on screen for twelve how? minutes. Twelve minutes. Twelve minutes. It's an hour thirty-two full run time. I think it's like an hour twenty-seven to the credits. So damn. About, you know, 12 minutes is less than 20% of the movie. That's and insane. the movie is named after the character. Yeah. <laughs> He's the main antagonist. This is one of those things, man, that I think even goes beyond. Like, whenever you talk about how, like, oh, Hannibal was only in Sansa Lands for, like, eight minutes. Right. Freddy Krueger was only in Elm Street for, like, ten minutes. Right. Something like that. Like, this, to me, is beyond that. Where yeah, because he, fleshes he is out this the character. central character. Yeah, and he fleshes it out so much that you right. feel like there's so much material 
in this character. And there's so many quotes from this character that right. we use all the time around the house mm-hmm. and shit. But it's like, actually, he's only in it for 12 minutes. And That's he, insane. And he is cranked to 50. 20, dude. It is he insane. Is like, he is the all over the place. And he is, imp- and these are long improvised shots that's the thing man they are long takes mm-hmm. a lot of the time and then you find out he was just making shit up yeah it's amazing i mean like the the one that really stood out to me is right after they raise him like they say beetlejuice three times and then they shrink down and they're in the model and they like dig up his grave and he comes out and he's wearing that guide uniform that there's a long bit where he is standing in between the two of them and just improvising his ass off. And at one point he spits into his coat and says, <laughs> save that boy, bad boy for later. Ugh. And then that's what Gina Davis does. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was like, she, she broke at she that broke moment right there because it had been going on forever. And he just hocked a loogie and spit it into his fucking coat. She's just like, oh, and then the scene edits. Yeah, there's an edit cut to a different shot. I think like that was the moment because he he was just going and going like and he's doing that in so many scenes where he's just coming up with everything he's saying. So that's like that's why you look at this and it's like uh, a career defining role that seems just so weird and obscure, too, because it's like. Why would he? Why would you ever even take this? It seems like if you're trying, because he had done like Mr. Mom and I was gonna say he wasn't Gung a Ho. star or anything. He wasn't by a now star, either. but he he seemed to be more in the line of like this like straight comedy sort of thing. And you can call this a comedy, and he is funny. But a lot of the shit he is doing is not just being funny, but it's going from funny to dark to gross like yeah. he is going all over the place and just being funny every once in a while oh yeah yeah it's like lovable and deplorable yeah depending just, on which second absolutely. you're watching you know yeah and it is crazy too that like he said he wasn't really a big name at this point and this also yeah. just shows so much um so much of tim burton's ability just to see the potential in somebody and the and to trust somebody to be like i know that i don't really know a lot of your work but just make this up i think you've got it yeah, that's I, insane. You could say that about this whole movie and probably about most of his career is yeah. that he's always been real good at just picking people out and letting them do their thing. Specifically Danny Elfman, we can call a success. Danny Elfman probably would have never scored a movie if it wasn't for Tim Burton being like, "I really want you to score Pee-wee." Yeah. It was uh it was it wasn't just Tim Burton. Pee Wee also wanted it. So not Pee Wee, Paul Rubens. Yeah, yeah. Paul Rubens really? and Tim uh and Tim Burton were both Boingo Boingo fans. Huh. And they asked him specifically to score it and he had no idea what he was doing and just came in no and did shit. it. And people loved it. And that got him more and more work, including this, which it's fucking awesome. Like, his work in this is amazing. It's inseparable from this movie, too. Exactly. Like, this movie this wouldn't movie, be what it is without that. No. Without... No, 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 right. no. Like, you don't have the same movie at all. No. Nope. To me, the soundtrack to this is as integral to the movie as, like, let's say, the score to, like, Home Alone. Yeah. Where, like, mm-hmm. if you take away that music, that movie is so less magical. Right. It's so less Christmassy. It needs that music to bring the Christmas feeling and that magical feeling yep. to it. Yeah. And with this, if you take out this crazy, I don't even know what you'd call it, fucking carnival jazz, 
soundtrack. <laughs> it this is like super wild. manic, weird, right. like dark, but kind of circusy and polka y and yeah. fun. Uh, if you take that out of this movie, it is not even remotely the same flick. No. As well as just this weird, like also calypso music. <laughs> like, yes. Where do where does where does all this stuff meet? Like, what is the common ground between all these things? Like, it doesn't really make any sense, but somehow the fact that it's all so disjointed in, in a way makes it work. Yeah, it does. It makes it fun. It makes it never feel too serious. Yeah. Which is important, I think, for that feel we were talking about where kids can be, like, drawn into it while also, like, scared of it. Because, like, you, you're scared of the stuff that's happening. It's dealing very, like... It's dealing with death. Yeah, death and the afterlife. Like, and the what afterlife. happens after you die? Yeah, it's really introducing kids to like this strange concept of like w- what will afterlife be and in this case it's a it's a bad afterlife kind yeah. of. Like it just kind of sucks. <laughs> Seems that way. Yeah, like you got 125 years of living in the place where you I guess called home and you got you got three times to go to this bureau of dead people things to ask them questions like yeah. hey what's Take up a number, and you got wait a manual line. yeah and you got to just wait in line that apparently could take months and you again only have 125 years i mean that sounds like a lot but i bet after a while either you'd want to go or not want to go like you'd want to pass on or you'd be like no i really like this life yeah that is death you know but it, it's all very complicated and still, as a kid, loved the movie and thought it was a fun time because it's got that Calypso element. It's got the Beetlejuice being silly elements. It's also got the silly elements of him, like, you know, trying to either get people to say Beetlejuice or get them to not say Beetlejuice. Like, all that's really cartoony. Mm-hmm. The, like, you know, uh, zipper on the, zipper mouth, on the and mouth, the pulling the teeth out and stuff like very all that looney stuff. Tunes. Very silly, very Looney Tunes, and that stuff all works to distract you from the fact that it's it's about you know uh, actual death and yeah. the scary what that could be. It's interesting too, though, that you know, considering when this was made, it never once touched on heaven or hell or angels no. or nope. God or, or anything. Doesn't even try. Doesn't even come close to it. No. Guess you die, and if you commit suicide, you have to work in a weird bureaucracy. (laughs) If you don't, you just got to live your life looking the way you look. Yeah, which, again, I think for the adults watching this, that's more for them, where it's just like, oh, yeah, when you die, there's just going to be more work, more red tape, (laughs) more fucking indiscernible manuals. It's like, ah, damn. It's just like the fucking, the struggle never ends. Right. You know? Yeah. But I I do like that this kind of deals with that afterlife in a completely objective way, where it's not at all trying to prescribe this as being, you know, tenets of any faith or anything like that. Nope. It just kind of is what it is. It doesn't really. This is the landscape of death. Yeah. You can't leave the place that you're in, or you end up on Saturn, where there are sandworms. <laughs> where there's sandworms. Yeah. yeah, of course there are. <laughs> what? It's so awesome. So fucking bizarre, man. And, you know, kind of on the subject of what you were saying a second ago about the, yeah, saying Beetlejuice's name, having to guess his mm-hmm. name all that jazz. I wonder where some of the inspirations for that character came from, because a lot of those things are very Rumpelstiltskin. A lot of this yes. is, like, very Germanic fairy tale. Well, I, this is definitely uh, highly influenced by German Expressionism, which I hear about a that, lot I don't know of Tim Burton it. movies are. Tell me about that. 
Okay, so um, specifically Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. I've I would, seen it. Yeah, yeah, I would point to that and like when they go into the death realm, the the hallways and stuff and the use of like stark angles. And it's very, real fucked off. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff is very much uh, Dr. Caligari as well now as... Now that you mention it, it really is because yeah. there's all kinds of those backgrounds and stuff in that movie that do have that same like... You know, whatever, it's a striped or tile floor, right. but it's, like, diverting in ways that it naturally wouldn't. Yeah, as it's very it surreal. recedes into the background. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it also uses, like, uh, you know, the, the brutalist sort of architecture at times, and, and very much Otho's uh, design aesthetic seems to be inspired by brutalism and, and things like that. But it it, it is... It isn't... It isn't... Um, it isn't German expressionism in the way that it, it it still tells a light, fun story and integrates, again, Calypso music into it. So it's like, instead of having the German expressionist sort of, uh, I guess, like, melodramatic acting and very, like, strong face work and stuff like that, which, again, is because it was silent film, uh, it, it's, it's, it feels like an 80s, late 80s movie where... It's a little comedic, a little silly, et cetera, but all the stuff in the background is very much German expressionism. And interesting. Like, when they go into the death world, a lot of that is very much German expressionism. And also interesting that when they enter into the waiting room for that little bureaucracy they've got going on, uh, there's a sign behind them that says no exit, probably a reference to Sartre's no exit, which is about three people basically in a limbo uh who discovered <laughs> that the worst part about humanity is other people oh that's yeah. what that's from right yeah, right. yeah so yeah, yeah. that's why the the it, it really sets a tone for the the waiting room because the waiting room the worst part of sitting in that waiting room is all the other people you're that's sitting funny, there funny man yeah. damn that's some subtle shit yeah it's all there's a lot of like real subtle like set deck and stuff that's real important i think to the feel of the movie I mean, aside from Keaton's performance and actually all the great performances throughout, the 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 people in involved in decorating the set had such a sway on just how we feel about all this. Oh yeah, because you see how ridiculous uh, uh, Delia, how her like aesthetic and things just it's it's not. It's not something anyone wants to look at. Like yeah. her sculptures and things. Like it's Hideous. all really like harsh and yeah. hard to look at. Which uh I th I think like that that tells you more. The set decoration tells you more about each of the characters than like any exposition moments True. could. Cuz there aren't a ton of exposition moments in this other than uh what's her name? The uh, uh Juno Juno trying to explain to them yeah. like the rules and whatnot. Other than that, like not really a lot. Not a lot of exposition. You, it's man. just stuff that just like just little bitty bits. Like I was telling you before this that like if you pay attention, what you learn is that Beetlejuice killed himself. So and, I missed this, but and you're it's right. not ever talked about. No, but Otho makes the comment that suicides have to work uh, as bureaucrats in the afterlife so we learn then that like the the sec or yeah the secretary when they they get into the waiting room she shows that she killed herself 
Uh, Juno has a slit across her throat. We can infer she cut her own throat. Uh, another guy is shown hanging and just like, you know, being, he's, we see the flat guy, but like in the background, you see another (laughs) guy who's like hanging, who's like zooming along. So we can also assume that the guy who is flat threw himself in front of a car. So like all these people in this bureaucracy are all suicides and, Juno tells us that Beetlejuice used to be her assistant. That means that old Jeffrey Epstein's working down there now. You know what I mean? (laughs) He done killed himself. Oh, did he? Yep. Did he? Hey, remember how we stopped talking about that? Oh, yeah. No. Hey. uh, What's there to know? What's there to know? Uh, Hey, a a pedophile guy who had a whole bunch of high-powered people's names in his black book killed himself probably nothing to see there nothing to see nah yeah but yeah so beetlejuice it killed himself and that was in in one of the drafts of the script that oh. he, he he killed himself uh, distraught over a former love but he did it drunk and like didn't really like uh snap his neck so much as like slowly suffocated to death and that's why he kind of looks bloated and gross really yeah whoa yeah so that's all that's, that's all up. like woven in there without being said yeah a lot of stuff is not really said a a lot of the exposition we get is about the deetses Mm -hmm. and what's going on with them and that tells us a whole different story about beetlejuice that i've never noticed until now i mean this is a reverse poltergeist it's 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 like the lead up to the poltergeist suburb which is basically like They've found this haunted house, and now they want to take over the whole town and move in a bunch of people. Yeah. (laughs) With that being the attraction, rather than the thing that will drive... Am I a joke to you? (laughs) That's what these ghosts are saying. Exactly. and, And so, instead of having these evil ghosts that drive people out of their homes, we have these evil humans who are driving people to the ghosts. Wow. And the ghosts are just these regular people who just want to be left alone. Yeah. They just want to enjoy their staycation. Right. Be left alone. That's funny when you look at it that way, huh? Yeah. That's also kind of like The Others, which we almost did recently yes. on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's The Others, by the way, go looking for it. It's not streaming it. anywhere. No, it's nowhere. Anyway. It's not available. That's why we didn't do it on the show. Yeah, we will do it on the show sometime when hopefully it's streaming somewhere. Yeah, when people can fucking watch yeah. the thing. I don't know where it's at, man. Yeah, it is funny, though. Like, this this movie does take, I think, a very, uh, a very sharp look at the growing tide of yuppieism yeah. in the 1980s, of the coming storm of gentrification, of rich people moving away from the cities out into the country... And having this idealized country lifestyle, Kate and I were talking about this earlier, it's just like they, they're like, oh, we want to move to the country and be away from the city. Now let's change literally everything about living in the country and, yeah. and turn it into a tourist attraction. Yeah, and, and you know, some country dwellers have had to deal with that uh, from time to time. But more often that is uh, black communities and Hispanic communities and Asian communities and cities where they have been forced into a certain area, and now they're all living there, but now white people need more. They need to move into a a different area of the city, and now they take it over. So let's just go ahead and drive you out. This is the stuff that the Candyman properties really talk a lot about. Exactly. So, like, Beetlejuice has that undercurrent of this without going into it 
too deep because it setting that up shows us they're the villains and that's enough. Like we don't like that's so I think very beautiful to me that even in 1988 all you needed to do to set up that these are the assholes is show them as these assholes who move into a neighborhood and try to change absolutely everything about it. Right. And we're just like, yeah, no, fuck them. They suck. (laughs) (laughs) And they clearly don't really want this kid that they have. And Yeah, they're not very nice to their child. (laughs) It's shown us earlier that that Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin were like wanting to have kids and stuff. It sounded like they were were working on it. They're like, maybe we try to have a kid again or something like that. Uh, So I think there's also this, this sort of game of like, you know, the the childless people, maybe childless by choice, maybe not. It's hard to say exactly. Yeah, I think it seems like not because yeah, the the question of maybe we try again. It seems like they've tried, they've tried and they're a little like disheartened maybe. because they haven't succeeded yet. Yeah. yeah, and then they care for this kid that this you know uh, married nuclear family uh, yeah. couple with kids has. They just don't. They don't have the the connection to her that the Maitlands almost automatically form. Yeah. And she cares very much about the Maitlands pretty quickly because they actually listen to her. Yeah. yeah. I think there's maybe a little bit of stuff in there about family versus chosen family. Right. And how, you know, one's not necessarily better than the other. Right. I think yeah. there's a little bit of narrative about that in there. Uh, but mainly more than that, we get introduced to like one of the first fucking on-screen, full goth characters <laughs> that we've had. That's the thing that, about this, man. 1988. Right. You don't get full-on goth on screen I w- You know often. what? I wish I had looked that up because I wonder when Night of the Demons came out, and I think it was around 88 or 89, and I wonder when uh, Friday the 13th Part 5 came out because that had, like, the punk goth girl. Like, Pop she was on that. Yeah, yeah, she was on that, like... That that kind of trying border. to do both, right? Yeah. yeah, but yeah, you're right. Like this is this is like the definitive Hollywood goth, super depressed, suicidal, yeah. dressed in black, the fucking black like wedding veil at the dinner table shit. Like yeah, this hyper melodramatic thing, dude. If you fucking loved like Sisters of Mercy and stuff in 1988, you had never seen this on screen before, right? This is like For some sure. big goth representation going yeah. on here. So this is actually. A pretty fucking wild idea to put a goth character into a movie at this time. Yeah. And then it's funny, man, because like between this and Nightmare Before Christmas and fucking Edward Scissorhands, Hot Topic has printed fucking billions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. Between those Tim three Burton fucking movies. Kept Hot Topic afloat. <laughs> I mean, dude, Tim Burton basically created the mainstream goth aesthetic. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Or maybe not created it, but at least exposed it, yeah, everyone yeah. He, to he it. He had a huge hand in... Robert Smith would like a word with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, but like that, Robert Smith was super influential in like the 80s, but like 90s goths, our teenage years goths, those were Tim Burton goths. Totally, yeah. Yeah, That this movie was the influence on that. Like those kids weren't listening to The Cure. I mean, they might have been a little bit later, but they were listening to some other uh, super 90s goth shit. Bauhaus? I don't know. Ooh, a little Bauhaus, yeah. huh? <laughs> Very good choice. Yeah, but I, I mean, yeah, you're right. Tim Burton really was like, had a huge hand in what we 
saw as goth through the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah, definitely, man. And her entire aesthetic, dude, I swear, like, pretty much every character's every outfit has been a Halloween costume for somebody. Oh, yeah. Like, Uh everyone's look in this movie is fucking iconic. There's an interesting thing I didn't notice, and uh, I read this on the IMDb trivia, that, so Delia repurposes other things throughout. So, at one point, Jeffrey Jones is wearing a red sweater, and later, Delia is wearing that red sweater as pants. Huh? And... Or like the first dinner scene when they're having uh, Cantonese instead of Szechuan. Se- uh-huh, yeah. Uh, she has a glove tied around her hand. And then headband. later when yeah. they do the Deo thing, she's wearing that glove. No shit. Yeah. I did not notice that. Yeah, she has... That's I mean, also some real Moira Rose shit that you're going to okay. see on Shit's Creek, <laughs> Is man. It? Okay. Dude, there's one point there where she wears a wig as a hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, that's pretty much just a wig on your hair. You know? I- yeah, I wonder it's how ridiculous. much I wonder how much she, like Catherine Harrow uh, had to like input in that. I wonder if that's just a thing of hers. Maybe this is just a thing. Yeah, Could that's be, really man. interesting. That's funny though. But yeah, you're right. Like, every single costume is it, it has been Halloweened over yeah. the past you know thirty something years that this has been out. And it's weird too though because like when you think Beetlejuice, you think about the stripy suit. Right, but he's only in that for a short period of time in the movie. Not much. I think that's because of the cartoon. Yeah. That's the, cartoon, the cartoon, that's cartoon, his right? suit. And and he wears that in every episode. So, like, even though that cartoon was only on for two years, it has, like, 60 to 70 episodes. Yeah, that's back in the day where a season <laughs> meant, like, fucking 40 episodes yeah. of this shit. <laughs> and then they air their reruns fucking nonstop yeah, exactly. for years. So I've seen I've seen probably every episode of that Beetlejuice cartoon, and I did watch the first episode again just to remind myself of, like, it was a weird cartoon. It was fun. Like, I, I know why I watched it as a kid, because it, it really was just a little bit different. And it was around that time when right before Nickelodeon had dropped, like, you know, Rain and Stimpy and Doug and, and all those other shows that kind of brought us in, it was nice to see something a little bit different. And Beetlejuice was that. Also, like, there was that Tales from the Crypt show back then, a cartoon show. Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Tales from the Crypt Keeper, yeah. yeah. That just popped yeah. up on Amazon. So, uh, Kate found that the other day. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen there. that in a long time. I bet I've it's not that it. great. I've never seen it, man. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, in addition to all the looks and stuff like that, you're talking about the set dressing and everything a second yeah. ago. And, dude, especially for the budget that they were given, these people had to design sets for a normal, idyllic, countryside, sort of northeastern right. look. They had to design also the miniature model town. Uh-huh. They also had to design the idyllic country house after this crazy artsy makeover. Yeah. Where everything look looks like it's sprayed with that like stone spray paint shit. Yeah, just that to look is weird. so hideous. And then also they design the entire afterlife uh-huh. look and how fucking bizarre that is. Yeah, the aesthetic of this movie is all over the map, and it it's is. all done well. It is. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I I like the way that you know they go uh, to the the office into the waiting room or whatever. And when they leave, the Dietzes are just moving in. 
and then they're apparently there for three months. They come back and everything has changed. Yeah, yeah. And I like the way that it's kind of a bridge between what they had as this like LL Bean catalog type, just like you know farmhouse looking thing, and the the weirdness of the death offices. It's kind of like kind of splits the difference. Yeah, it kind of splits the difference because now you know it, it's it's got this real weird surreal sort of German expressionist appearance, but it's also like a house. Like there's a kitchen in it and stuff. It's still very much a house with all the normal things. There's also this weird sun deck at the top of the house that has yeah. like these huge archways <laughs> to like nothing. And Otho, yeah, you're right. It does kind of split the diff. Otho, like he names so many jobs he's had, and it's like he's just bad at everything he does. <laughs> Is Otho supposed to be gay? Well, the actor was always openly yeah. gay. So, yes, I think I think when uh, he says paranormal party. and what's-her-name says, is that what they're calling your kind these days? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he like brings that lady to the dinner party, but I think it's just like very obvious that... They hate each other. They're not dating. No. Yeah, they, uh-uh. They're just like... They have a, like, might playful, be a marriage of hateful relationship. Like, it's never really said. Right. But you just kind of get it, and you're like, okay, yeah, I understand yeah. what's going on no, here. No, yeah, Glenn Shaddix uh, was openly gay. I read about um, he he was, like, openly gay with his parents when he was 17, and they, like, sent him for, you know, anti-gay oh, treatment. He, he had, like, electroshock He had electroshock and stuff. Like and stuff they and thought they could shock kill- you straight. Yeah, and then he almost killed himself, and his parents realized they had made a mistake. Yeah, they, and they accepted sure him had. for who he was, and he got oh, to be openly the gay the rest of his life. So that's great. He, he got except to just he be had like to he go is. through torture to get there. That's fucking sad. Man. Yeah, that's real fucking. Sad. And the thing is, is like that's not just his story. And no, probably, that's a lot of people. And that's story. probably a good version of that story. For that yeah, because his parents ended up accepting him. That's like the best possibility of of, of that Woof. back in that day. Ugh, just I can't imagine. There's still kids out there dealing with that. So. Stuff like that makes you go, things have gotten a little better. A little. A little. A little. <laughs> Could be a lot better. Could but be a whole lot better, but they've gotten a little bit better. Yeah, at least it's not a mainstream idea that you can electrocute someone into being straight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There are some people that still definitely believe yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say, there are people that still believe that. Yeah. 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 Yucks. I know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, the sets, the costumes, everything just goes into being an integral part of this movie. And mm-hmm. I think that without those things, it just would have been so easy for this movie to fall apart. Because honestly, oh, yeah. like the story itself isn't necessarily all that gripping. No, it's about a rich family that buys a house, uh, fixes it up. And uh, then finds out the house is haunted and then they decide we should buy the whole town. But then uh, evil ghost man makes them not do that. See, like that's the worst elevator pitch ever. Yeah, like, nobody I would, be like, would I care. Don't nobody want would to care. Watch. That sounds boring But watching shit. the movie, you don't think about that story at all. No. But because that, you're is, just that so, is it. You're just so drawn in by the charisma of yeah. these characters and their performances and the costumes and, and the sets and everything. And you can't even like say it's just Keaton because Michael Keaton no. doesn't sh- he like he sh- he shows up at 13 minutes w- looking at the newspaper uh-huh. but like barely says anything. Then he does that at 25 minutes he does that like used car commercial type of Beetlejuice yeah, thing which, which is, is awesome. hilarious. And then he shows up finally at 45 minutes. That's Whoa, the first that time late? he's on screen interacting with anybody. Damn. And that means that you're, you know, if you like this movie, 
you're already sold on it without Beetlejuice. True. And then Beetlejuice shows up, and it's like, well, fuck yeah. Now it's even better. Yeah, it's even better, yeah. It is true. It's easy for Michael Keaton to get all the love and affection here, but yeah. honestly, everybody... Everybody's doing great. Everybody yeah. gets it, man. Alec Baldwin doesn't like his performance in this. I know. And Dude, what I, do they want? I kind of get maybe what he's saying about his performance. I think he, if he understood the tone a little bit better, maybe he would have gone for it more because he does seem really subdued. Maybe he would have gone further into like playing it a little dumber because he is supposed to be dumb. Like... He re- like he misreads uh book for the recently deceased as mo- book for diseased. the recently diseased. I like, guess so, yeah. Yeah, he's supposed to be a little bit not the brightest. Like like Barbara's smart. She's they're happy together. She's a little bit smarter than him, but she's happy with his like simple pleasures. And I think maybe what he's thinking is if he had realized the tone, he would have played it a little bit dumber and maybe gotten a little more comedic effect out of it. But the fact that he doesn't like the movie in general is like, okay, is that just your negative association with your own performance, or do you dislike the movie? I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, really. Because it's a good movie, buddy. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think that. And you're not bad in it. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I don't think him amping up that performance necessarily would have made the movie yeah, better. Not exactly. Yeah. No, I get, I get, I get both sides there because I think his performance comes off perfectly amiable and. Just dumb enough without being overly comical. Over the top. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. What do you think about the special effects in this? Oh, they're great. I mean, the the fact that they only spent a million on the... Like, I love the sandworms. I love Saturn. Awesome. I so love cool. all the stuff they did with that. I love that we don't get to see Beetlejuice's scary face. Apparently, they shot it. Oh, it's a snake face. Yeah. I love that we don't see it. Yeah. It's so much cooler that way. It is. I agree. They shot that, but apparently that Tim Burton felt the same way. Like, yeah, maybe don't show it. I love Not the over the shoulder better. where we see it. It's just cooler yeah. that way, man. And in addition to some of that stuff, too, there's also all kinds of, like, fucking crazy stop motion stuff in this that I love. Yeah. Like the Beetlejuice snake thing. And, of course, yes. the, the sandworm. The sandworms uh-huh. are, like, the most damn Tim Burton-looking thing ever. Yeah. And, I like... It might be nostalgia. It might just be seeing it as a kid, but I think it is perfect. I think it looks fake enough yeah. that no matter what, you can't be like, that looks fake. Because it's like, yeah, it's a weird-ass sandworm with Tim Burton colors that like has insane teeth and stuff. Like, yeah. Of course it looks fake. Well, and the thing is, too, is part of the brilliance of it, you know, working with that is the fact that the first thing that we see in the movie is fake. It's the yeah. miniature town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have the scenes where, you know, they're in the miniature town mm-hmm. and you get all that like funky, like astroturf and they're digging through the layers of like cardboard right. and shit like that. It's just kind of introducing us to the idea of just like, yeah, this stuff's going to look fake because yeah. it is fake. And that's fine. And you're just totally okay with it. I love yeah. the way the model town looks. I think it's so fucking awesome, I agree. man. Yeah. It's so perfect. I also think it sets up the things that are more realistic and visceral, like uh, the smoke coming out of her like throat slit. The and face stuff. rip. The face rip. Yeah. Like yeah. those things that are realistic looking and like visceral and gross are like more, they look better because all that other stuff is a little like B movie silly. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also just part of his entire aesthetic that he brings into a lot of movies is this juxtaposition. Right. Like, 
things that are normal and quaint juxtaposed to things that are dark and fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. Things that are funny mixed with things that are scary. Like it's yeah. it's all over his work. It's all about that yeah. kind of duality, and he interjects it all over this entire movie. Well, and yeah, and and a lot of like a lot of his stuff is is uh, idyllic meeting dark or dark meeting idyllic. So like uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, like the first twenty minutes of that is. Kiwi just giggling and being uh, childish and whatnot in this little town where everybody accepts him for who he is and yeah. doesn't really have a problem. And then he goes out into the real world searching for his bike. And it's like this confrontation between Wee and the rest of the world. Edward Scissorhands is Edward kind of the Scissorhands. opposite. Yeah, the opposite. The darkness comes into the light and like he is lighter than they are <laughs> like yeah. he's sweeter and better than they are yeah but it is it's a lot of tim burton is just this confrontation between darkness and lightness and like wh- which is necessarily good or bad like is never really clear like this the death doesn't make you a bad person but beetlejuice is a bad person so there's like the dead people that are scary and the dead people that are nice and also, you have the live people that are really the problem. Yeah, it's it's it's. it's I love that interplay. It's fun. Yeah, definitely a lot of layers going on there for sure, man. There was talk for a while of there being a sequel to this. There, yeah, there's been a good bit of talk since 1990. I was gonna uh, say even just a matter of a few years yeah. ago, there were still rumors that it was gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. Tim Burton hired uh, a writer in 90, 1990 to write uh, Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. Which was Tim Burton just thought it would be really funny to try to make a German expressionist surf movie. I'm in. I'm in too. I'm totally okay with this. It seems like a lot of people are just like, oh my God, I'm so glad they didn't make that. It would be terrible. And I'm like, I I get it. Because again, the 1950s obsession that Burton has. Yeah. Is totally tied in with Hawaii and self uh, surf culture. Yeah, and that stuff, stuff that was huge throughout huge. the fifties. Yeah, so it's so, like I could actually see that fucking working. I I would love to see. It. Apparently, he tried to get it going throughout the nineties. Even Kevin Smith was asked to like go at it, but uh, apparently he turned it down because he was working on Superman Returns for Tim Burton at the ooh, time. Oh, now that's a story, right? That there. is a story. Yeah, <laughs> you can learn more about that on those Evening with Kevin Smith right DVDs, which are a treat right i need to <laughs> but, rewatch those it's been too long <laughs> but so that didn't happen uh apparently i, I believe warren scaren who is uh, the co-writer on the on the screenplay um who also co-wrote uh beverly hills cop 2 and the batman screenplay oh apparently he the last screenplay he wrote was uh, a sequel to beetlejuice called beetlejuice and love and I have no idea what the contents of okay. it are. Okay. But before he died, that was the last thing he was working on. Uh, and then, yeah, more recently, they they had something up and running through. Like I believe it started in 2012 that, like, they were gonna have this sequel, and by 2017, it was already shelved. So, like, there've been attempts to do sequels, and Michael Keaton and um, Winona Ryder both seem on board, no matter what it is. Michael Keaton says this is his favorite role he's ever played. No shit. So, like, he wants to go back to it. He'd love to go back to it. And I can see a sequel working. Because yeah. he's outside of time. Like, he's living in Deadsville or whatever. But 
the world around him is still moving. So, like, and Michael Keaton still kind of looks the same. He doesn't look that much different. He doesn't look that much different. So, like, I could I could see some sequel working. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I would like to see them try that. But I, I think it would have to be, like, it would have been better if it happened in 1990. Oh, for sure, yeah. But if Tim Burton were to do it, he would have to go back to the more campy effects that's what i was gonna say like the biggest thing that worries me about it is knowing that this would be being made by a tim burton with no limits a tim yeah burton with the budget Disney would be money. huge yeah. yeah and so they could do everything and yeah. they would do everything and it yeah. would all be cg and like i love the fact it? that you know for the budget of this they only devoted a million dollars for special effects yeah because they wanted it to look cheap yeah that was a conscious choice purpose. and that's exactly what should be done if they were to ever do a sequel is yeah. make the conscious choice like no i mean it's probably going to be more than a million obviously in 2021 yeah, sure, but sure. no we're we're not going to go for the big heavy like cgi stuff we're going to bring in people we're going to have them do these wild like map paintings and stuff that represent saturn and have this weird claymation sandworm like all that is perfect and wonderful and i love it like yeah. no no matter how good you could make that look, I don't want it to look good. I want it to look the way it looks. And isn't that the thing, man? Like, has anyone ever said, that movie would be better if the special effects looked better? If they put more money into the effects, <laughs> right. Beatles used to be a better movie. Like, literally right. nobody has ever said yeah. that. It's all about characters and charisma yeah. and tone. Because yeah, this movie has such a weird tone to it, man. It it's does. Like, it's it's kind of like what I was saying about Ghostbusters the other week, where I'm like, there's not really another movie that has that tone no. of humor and stuff that Ghostbusters does. There's also really nothing like Beetlejuice that has that. And it doesn't matter if some of the special effects, you see them and you're like, oh yeah, I know how they did that at stop motion. doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, that's actually kind of a positive. Like, when you... Like, we've said it before, with computers... The answer is, well, I know how they did that. Computers. Yep. But, like, when it's stop motion, it's like, well, I know how they did that. But I, I couldn't know do that. I couldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cool. I, there's probably some program that I could pick up and learn how to do CGI in some way that would just work okay without having too much knowledge of it. But claymation, slow mo, like, all that, all that, like, uh, all the stuff that they do with the set decoration and stuff, all that tiny seeming stuff that actually sets the tone and makes a Tim Burton movie a Tim Burton movie. Like, you just can't replicate that without artists. And that's kind of why we love Beetlejuice. Why this works. Yeah. It's, a, it's a work of art. It is a whole bunch of artists working to make... Like, even though the Dietz's house is hideous... Like, it is hideous. It has an artistic style to it. Somebody put a lot of thought into, okay, how could, how would a bad artist and a bad interior designer make this house look? Yeah, this city, city yeah. people moving out into the country. What would it, they do to it? And they nail it. They, yeah. It's like, yeah, that is, that is so perfectly hideous. Yeah. Yeah. They did absolutely nail that stuff, man. Uh, and again, they also push the limit very fucking far for a PG movie. <laughs> a PG, PG movie with the word fuck in it. I thought that this is one of those ones that was like, well, it was before the age of PG-13. Nope. No, it wasn't. It was years <laughs> after. PG-13 existed. They were just like, nah, it's fine. And he grabs his crotch. 
yeah, he fucking he does, does the a old, jerk, like, off jerk off motion. motion yeah, and he uh-huh. says fuck, and also too like that even that that part where he says nice fucking model. Yeah, they absolutely could have cut that out. Yeah, because it was an improv line. What? Yeah, because like that tree falls down or whatever, which it wasn't supposed to. Really? <laughs> yeah, that wasn't supposed to. So that was him to the set deck nice people. fucking model yeah but the people that made the movie were just like this is important and this is hilarious yeah, and thought we're it was not hilarious, it. so keep it in. and somehow they left it in yeah in addition to all the other crazy yeah gore and stuff i mean dude that scene whenever like early on whenever gina davis is trying to scare the people out of the house and she's uh, holding alec baldwin's severed head yeah she's totally making a sleepaway camp face is she? Dude, it's like dead I have on. to go back and look at it. I'll, I'll oh, find it man. real quick just so you can see it. Because yeah. it's absolutely a sleepaway camp face, man. Dude, it's crazy. There's another face in there that we got to talk about. <laughs> you sent me this and it's so fucking funny. I know. Like, I've noticed it ever since the first time I saw it. That when she comes in on the sandworm, it cuts to a close-up of her face for just a brief bit, and she is making the goofiest, like, it looks like an orgasm face. Yeah, it's hysterical. Like, she is, like, over-the-top orgasm facing. All right, check out the sleepaway camp face. Tell me that's not intentional. Oh, man. I found it on Google. Yeah, it's, that's it's sleepaway camp. <laughs> like, the really Whoa. weird, like, jarring facial expression is right there. Huh. And again, this is in a fucking PG-rated movie. Yeah, it is. It's a Severed woman holding head. a decapitated head. Smiling with a bloody smiling butcher with knife. with a bloody butcher knife. Yeah. That's yeah, bold. That's, that is pretty, like, that. this is the early era of PG and PG-13, but not so early that that stuff should have gotten past. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not, man. Yeah, dude, I don't know what else to say about this movie. It's so hugely influential. Yeah. And it's funny because I feel like it's one of those things that, you know, there's still merchandise being made about Beetlejuice. It's being oh, yeah. sold at Hot Topics. Oh, yeah. To a generation that was born fucking 20 years after this movie came out. Yeah. And this movie is still being influential. Tim Burton kind of has that, though, doesn't it? Because, like, yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas is a movie I know tons of kids Young watch people on fucking repeat. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting that he's had that level of influence even with his older movies, not just with the Alice in Wonderlands and, and whatnot. Like his older movies are still sticking around with kids. That's cool. I yeah, mean there's th- something there's something universally appealing there. Yeah. Because you gotta think, I mean, Tim Burton's probably twenty or thirty years older than us. Yeah, yeah. He is. He's an old man. And he's doing this stuff that's just like, my grandkids are going to fucking love this at Hot Topic when they buy this fucking Beetlejuice shirt. Like, somehow he saw into the future and nailed everything that people have wanted for the past 40 years plus. And it's really just his... That's got to feel good as an artist. Oh, dude, right? It's very much you and your aesthetic, and people love it. And gory. Let's let's. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's pulling in... Edward Gorey and and a whole lot of his like B movie influences and yeah. stuff, but that's, he, he wasn't born in a void. I, I mean, yeah, but it's the same thing as saying like Tarantino has influences. Like, yeah, yeah. he has influences. Like Dream but Theater has a lot of influences. Sure, man. come yeah. on, you know. <laughs> uh, did you notice? I mean, I, it's kind of hard not to, but when uh, Beetlejuice shows up with like this like circus tent thing around his head. Little Jack Skellington. It's on top a little of his tiny. Head. I did notice yeah. it this time, man. Yeah, apparently uh, Tim Burton's been drawing that since he was a Ute, and wow. uh, finally 
snuck know, it in. Stuck it into a movie, and then it was like, hey, what if that's a whole movie? Huh. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, like, I don't have the nostalgia connection to this. Like, this is one right. of those ones that uh, whenever I met Kate and stuff, you know, she was really, really way into this movie and loved mm-hmm. it. And I actually don't remember the first time that I, like, watched it, watched it. Uh-huh. Because I know it was with her and her family. I definitely didn't watch this before them. I don't really remember the first time that I watched this, which is really weird. It just kind of feels like it's always been a part of mm-hmm. our lives, you know? Right. It's like, well, we watch this movie every fucking year, so it's always been around. Yeah. Uh, so I don't really remember watching it for the first time, but it just kind of always feels like it's been there through my entire childhood, my entire adult life and stuff. Right. Beetlejuice is just kind of always there. He's a man out of time of all time. That's true. I like that watching it again um i i don't know how to fully express this but i caught what i think is the inspiration for the joker as it's played now like the batman joker the batman joker now we all know cesar romero played the batman in the 60s or joker in the 60s batman tv show yeah yeah you know, he's got Painted his... over his mustache, Yeah, he's got his quirks, etc. Uh, but I watched Batman again after watching Beetlejuice. And I don't know if Jack Nicholson watched Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice or if Tim Burton just directed him in a way that led him to pulling in some Beetlejuice type of qualities. Yeah. But when you then look at Batman, uh, re- not Batman Returns, uh, the, the Batman Begins, not Batman Begins, the second one, <laughs> Dark the Knight. Dark Knight, yes. <laughs> when you and then look at the Dark Knight with Heath Ledger, looking at the way he styled himself, it looks like Beetlejuice more than Jack Nicholson's Joker. It kind of does. It, it, it does. Like, he's got mm. the scummy, like, really greasy hair and stuff yeah. that's like this nasty not like comic booky green it's like right. this nasty olive green exactly look the the really dingy white face paint and stuff yeah he actually does look a lot more like beetlejuice now this is a little bit i'm gonna talk some more about that but this is a little bit out on a limb you reaching i'm reaching a little bit but when Catherine uh o'hara wakes up with her makeup smeared it looks like heath ledger's joker makeup i mean I'm just saying. Just saying. But, okay, so you look at the way that Jack Nicholson played the Joker and compare it to Cesar Romero's The Joker and compare it to the Joker in the comic books, I think there's some Beetlejuice in there. I don't know if that's Tim Burton's direction bringing it in or or what, but I think there's some Beetlejuice in there. But once you get to Heath Ledger... I think he full on was watching Beetlejuice and being like, that's what it needs. It's that's like what the character needs. Beetlejuice plus Tom Waits. Yes. Equals Heath Ledger's Joker. Exactly. And what's interesting is Michael Keaton claims his big inspiration was Chop Top from TCM2. Nuh-uh. Yep. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was, oh, Bill Mosley. was Michael Keaton's big inspiration Holy for Beetlejuice. Holy shit. I can kind of see it. So what I'm saying is Bill Mosley should play the Joker. Bill Mosley for fucking president. That's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Also, uh, what I did notice, though, because I thought of that when I watched Batman, 
I think this is a rare situation where Michael Keaton could have played both Batman and the Joker, no and shit. it would have fucking worked. It would have fucking worked. Because that is the thing about Batman and the Joker, right? Yeah. They're they're opposites. They're opposite. They are yin and yang. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if, if you have Michael Keaton playing both of those roles... God, it would have been awesome. would have been fucking amazing. <laughs> fucking Not to say Jack, Jack Nicholson's fucking awesome. Obviously. He is so good. Obviously. But that could have been awesome. That, like, I really would have enjoyed that, I think. That's funny, man. Yeah, I, I can totally see what you're saying, though, as far as that influence of this hyper over the top uh, trickster kind of character yeah. seeping into the influence that we saw from and the, the portrayals the, of the Joker. The, the mood swings, too. Yeah, like yeah. The swings between. Because, like, there's that, that bit where he just, like, he's like talking about that's why I won't do two shows a night. And he's smoking a cigarette and he's like, okay, kids. Like, he just gets, like, <laughs> evil looking real quick yeah, from, dude. like, jokey. And it's, like, very much like Heath Ledger and very much like Jack Nicholson's play portrayal of the Joker. Damn. Yeah. Interesting, man. Michael Keaton, just a fucking treasure. Tim Burton batting a thousand on this, dude. Yeah. Like, 100%. this is this is crazy when you really consider this is, other than Pee Wee, you know, one of his first big movies he's ever done. Yeah. And here he is with a fully fleshed out aesthetic. Just, it, 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 this is a Tim Burton movie. You watch it and it's like, fully yeah, Tim formed. Burton directed that. Fully formed. Yeah. yeah. It's honestly, it, it's kind of like when you listen to like fucking the first Black Sabbath record and you're right. just like, where the fuck did this fully fleshed out band exactly. come from? Yeah. What in the fuck is going on here? Pretty amazing stuff, dude. It's hard to complain about this. It even passes the Bechdel test. It does. Yeah. It really does. Not a lot of people of color in it. No. But then that again, in this, in this small-ass rural town, there wouldn't yeah. be either. Well, that's that's maybe why uh, I was interested in thinking about the ideas of, like, the you know, they're trying to move in and take over this neighborhood. The idea of Sammy Davis Jr. playing Beetlejuice, that the character that drives them out would have been a black character. Yeah. That... I I wonder how that could have been played, mm. and I wonder if it would have been racist. Maybe badly. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Is I'm bad. wondering if it would have been racist or if it would have made more of a like a message about like th- this is happening. Yeah, like people are taking over black neighborhoods and black people are being forced out and still being treated as like the enemy within what used to be their neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. And now it's just a bunch of white neighbors treating them like they shouldn't be there. <laughs> uh, that that could have been interesting, but yeah, the, it doesn't do. It doesn't have any of that. So that is a problem with a lot. Like Tim Burton movies, just generally are white as hell. Very. Yeah. Yeah. He likes them pale. He li- yes. This <laughs> he is likes some alabaster. Yeah. yeah, pretty much, man. <laughs> but I still think this movie has aged pretty well. Those themes of yeah, yuppie culture and gentrification and stuff. Yeah. I think that is still very relevant today. I think a lot of the stuff that Beetlejuice does, it's like gross and very questionable. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, he's supposed to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's not supposed yeah. to be likable. Right. So when he's like trying to marry a fucking teenager or trying to look up Gina Davis's dress and stuff like right. that, it's like these aren't charming attributes to You him. know what? The, 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 I think the integral part in that is trying to look up Gina Davis's dress. Yeah. Whereas, like, we talked about with VHS that it it, it pulls you in and makes you... Oh, they you, do. Yeah, it yeah. makes you part of it, makes you watch it, and makes you feel like you're part of it. This shows him attempt to do it and fail, so we know he would do it, 
but we don't have to also be part of it. That's kind of the difference, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, we know he's a piece of shit, but I have not also been dragged into his piece of shittery. There you go. Piece of shittery. (laughs) Yeah. I like that, man. It does make a difference. Yeah, hard to complain about much anything. Yeah, I agree. In this flick, man. You got any final thoughts, ratings, et cetera? Oh, final thoughts. I mean... Uh yeah you're uh, the, you're right this is this is there's nothing to really complain about it's also tight it's, it's like very tight maybe an hour minutes. and a half yeah and there's like no downtime nope. ever like really nope. every scene is memorable and iconic there's and not really downtime despite the fact that there are a lot of background characters all they do is serve to like serve as flavor to the movie without Robert like distracting. Robert Goulet is in they it. They kill Dick Robert Cavett. Goulet. They kill Robert Goulet. <laughs> Dick Cavett is a fucking just a guest who is her her agent or whatever. Like, yeah, oh, oh, dude. Tell me, we, I just fucking learned before we started recording this who plays the little priest guy. Oh yeah, fucking uh, uh, Tony Cox uh, from Bad Santa, Bad Santa. Also, Return of the Jedi. Like he's he's been in the side. You'd recognize Tony Cox. If you don't recognize him by his name, look him up. You'll know, You'll know who he him is. immediately, yeah. dude. I had no fucking idea. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's hard to complain about anything in this movie. So, is it a 10? Probably. It yeah. is to me. Iconic. I think it's uh, like I, mean, I have all the all nostalgia, too. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I don't. Yeah. So, like, I, I, I'll understand if, if yours is a little bit lower, but I have all the nostalgia in the world for this. Me, it's a 10. It's a perfect yeah. movie. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you, man. Okay. It's really hard to complain about it. And again, there's just so many things that this has influenced and seeped into. And the fact yeah. that kids these days still think that it's cool. Kids these kids days. Kids these days, man. It's really wild. And it shows that it's standing the test of time and uh, is an immortal classic mm-hmm. for every Halloween season. Yeah, seriously. This did help me get into that Halloween mood for where real, i right? just like wanted to watch more dark i think that is the the halloween mood is dark but fun dark but fun yeah, yeah. and like, this does it it does it for yep. sure man now next week on the show we're going to be getting ourselves into the dang old halloween season we're going to tell you how after i tell you to rate and review on apple Podcasts. go and do that do that thing mm-hmm. it doesn't cost you a dime helps us out a lot i got a lot on um was it September or something or another there? The other day I posted, I was just like, hey, can everybody post a review? And we actually did get a lot of reviews on that. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. And uh, so that worked, and that's great. So awesome. please go and do that. It really does help us out a ton, as well as supporting us on Patreon. Yeah, patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Head on over there, become a patron on any level. You get access to the Patreon exclusive episodes. We'll have that, uh, what we do in the shadows app up, uh, might be up Probably by the week. time yeah. you hear this. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, if you become a $5 patron, you get to throw a movie into the smoking bowl, and then we review one of those movies that we randomly draw from the smoking bowl. Hell yeah, we do. And it's a great time, and there's so many awesome movies in there to, to pick from. There uh, you go. Put some, yours in there. Go put yours in there by becoming a $5 patron. Put in a pull, and then we'll get a pull. We'll pull and pull and pull and pull until something comes out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. It reminds me of my honeymoon. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Now, we got ourselves a big old theatrical event slash home event yeah. happening next week. We have the newest installment of that Michael Myers Halloween tale. Mm-hmm. That's the one. That's the one. We got that coming out in theaters and straight to Peacock if you don't want to go sit in a theater, which I can't blame you, especially if you live in Tennessee, which is currently the worst fucking state. Yeah. 
in COVID raids. Yeah. Don't Shocker want- when we have such strong leadership around here that's been so proactive in doing any goddamn thing. Has, he has been proactive very much. Not proactive in helping. No. He has been proactive in actively Making trying to worse. harm people. Yes. Yeah. And he's been succeeding. He's doing a great job. Yeah. If that, You know what? If that's what you voted for. Nailing it. Nailing it. Delivering mm-hmm. on all of his promises, if that's the case. Oh, my God. Anyway. Right. <laughs> Uh, next week, you're going to be able to watch Halloween Kills. Yeah. And uh, I am so fucking giddy about this. This is supposed to happen last year, but mm-hmm. of course, everything was canceled last year, so yeah. it didn't happen last year, and it honestly made me very sad because I was just like, considering that I'm not going to get to do anything Halloween-related this year, if Why I can not? at least stay home, yeah. turn off the lights, drink some fucking you know uh, spiced rum and cider and watch the new Halloween movie... That'll at least be fucking something for me. Right. Then they didn't give it to us. Yeah. They they were, what do you call them? The Grinch? They yeah, were like the Grinch who stole us. Halloween. Pretty much, man. Yeah. And it's also really stupid because like I would have, I definitely would have paid like $50 to watch that at home Yeah, and now I'll just be streaming it on Peacock for less than that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> or ma- or maybe going to see it in a theater, maybe, but like yeah. probably just staying home and streaming it anyway. Yep. Come on. So in it, but blip blip, blip blip blip, scup blip. We're gonna watch Halloween 2018. Yeah, we did a mini sode on it whenever it comed out. Uh huh. When it comed out, yeah, we did a mini sode. Now we're gonna do a full sode, a full sode on uh-huh. it. And uh, I, I'm excited. I love yeah. this movie. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Cool. Yep. The last time I, I rewatched it, I was like, yeah, this. I, I don't see all any complaints about I get that people wanted to like to be a sequel to four and five or whatever. I just oh, don't Oh, where's about the cult that. of thorn that I gave a shit about? Said no one ever. <laughs> Maybe they will bring that stuff in in the sequels in I some hope way. Not. I hope not either. But maybe they'll do some of that in some way that makes sense or whatever. But we're we're doing Halloween twenty eighteen. Halloween kills is coming out. Hopefully Maybe we'll do a mini sode on it. If I was going to say, hopefully it, yeah. if we have the time, we'll do a mini sode on it because I know we'll both be watching it. So. Hell yeah. I'm yeah. excited about it. So be sure to tune in next week. We'll be talking about Halloween 20 and 18, 20 and 1 Ocho, <laughs> as they say in Espanola. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> Head on down to Espanola. Yeah. That's a place. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you guys next time. Hope everybody is having a wonderful October season. Yep. Halloween. I hope, I hope you're times. bundling up with your loved ones, drinking something made out of pumpkin. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like how that sounds. We'll catch you guys later. I'm Uncle Ben. Hollywood Steve. Bah, All right, now you listen here. I've got a big old idea, and I want to claim it before anybody else gets their grubby little mitts on it. So if you think you had this idea first, you got to remember, you heard it here from me the first time. So you better okay. pay up. All right. You ready All for right. this? I'm ready. I was doing some thinking here okay. this week. I was doing some thinking. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about them old Subaru cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, old Subarus. And you know who loves a Subaru more than anybody liberals it's it's true you can't see a subaru it ain't in a co-op parking lot without no coexist 
bumper sticker on right yeah i saw i saw one with a biden harris sticker i mean what's it coming to next what's it coming to next and it's all full of these dog loving lesbians lesbians Mm -hmm. okay they love them subarus they love i mean listen it's a stereotype but yeah no yeah Uh uh-huh it's true yeah exactly right so listen it just got me thinking because we all know what them liberals want Okay, let's hear it. They want people to be able to marry whoever they want to marry. Your woman, the, you marry, you just marry bastards. another woman if you want. Whatever. Wow. Okay. And you know how it goes from there. From there is going to be people getting married to their pets. I, I mean, it's the next logical conclusion. Uh-huh. Obviously. Yeah. It's happening. No it's rampant right now since gay marriage is legal. Exactly. People your, are out there just dog. like, I want to marry my dog. Yeah, your mm-hmm. kitty cat, anything. And it's your pet. That's your partner. According to what these people want. Okay. All right. And then, and and again, I don't support it. Uh-huh. I think it just does nothing but spit in the face of my fifth marriage to my wife, Barbara. Okay. Who's my second fifth wife. Second fifth wife. Okay. And our, All right. And our 10 kids from our 12 previous marriages, it just desecrates the sanctity of our marriages. I know. Uh, yeah. You're right. You're right. Because those were sanctified as marriages clearly, you're talking about. Yeah. Clearly. They're uh-huh. the right kind. Uh-huh. Next up, they's going to want you to be able to marry your car. Okay. All right. Can so that's following that? the pets. Uh-huh. After the pets, you can marry your car. Then you can just marry your dang old Subaru. You love it so much, why don't you put a ring on Put a piston ring on it. Huh? Put a piston ring on your Subaru. That's right. If so, you love it so much. I'm just stepping in right here, uh-huh. and I'm going to claim this. I'm a trademark this right now, Let's so that when it. they start using it, they's got to pay me. Uh-huh. All right? They's got to pay me for using this. Okay. Whenever they roll out their next ad campaign... Say I do baru to your Subaru. <laughs> you know they's gonna start using that. Uh, yeah, I bet. That's <laughs> my sounds, idea. Yeah, that sounds like that is coming up just next week, probably. If I have say their I way. do baru to your Subaru. <laughs> <laughs> I said it first. <laughs> Pay up. You deserve all you get from it. <laughs> <laughs>